This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. One line and miss, and Mike Fires has thrown his second no-hitter. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back! Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From the opener to launch angles to clutch moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. It doesn't get any better than this. I'm telling you right now, it doesn't get any better than this. Live from Ricky Henderson Field, it is A's Cast Live with Chris Townsend. We have a huge show for you today. Okay, where we do this show is just outside of the dugout. And so coming up here in moments, we are going to be joined by Blake Trinan, the All-Star, and Lou Trevino. They're going to come over together. That is going to be awesome. We're going to have Jeff Blum. I always love to have Jeff Blum on the pregame show. He's a former Cal Bear World Series hero. He's going to be here around 4.30 as he does TV for the Houston Astros. One of your favorites, Mr. Careless Whisper. Josh Reddick is going to come down to the field, and it's been a while since I've talked to Josh, so it's going to be great catching up with him. Josh Reddick, one of the all-time fan favorites for the A's, and especially how he treated everybody, how he treated the fans, how he treated the fans out in right field. He will always be treasured here in Oakland. He's going to join us at 445. And then the old knuckleballer, Steve Sparks, is going to be here around 515. And we're getting you ready. This is a huge series. You can say all you want about how, ah, you know, it's early in the season. But the A's right now have put themselves back in contention. And this is a way to get some games on the Houston Astros. And right now, the Astros are 37-20. and 20. But they're just six and four in their last ten. Why? Because they got a ton of injuries. You got Correa with the rib. You got Altuve out. I mean, they got a bunch of guys that are hurt. Springer, who technically is probably their MVP this year. You could debate between him and Bregman. But what he has been doing, we have some numbers on that about how crucial Springer has been. And I did it the other the other day on the broadcast with Ken and Vince. You know, the OPS of Springer in the leadoff spot versus whoever replaces him, it's not even close. And their record as a ball club without Springer, not even close. When when he's not in the lineup, they don't win. So can the A's get hot again as they're 8-2 and two in their last 10 despite losing their last two? But how about a sweep? I mean, you get a sweep, and next thing you know, you're right on their doorstep. So we're going to talk a lot today about the athletics. We're going to talk a lot today about the Houston Astros. But one of the most fascinating things, and we'll be back on Monday as the ball club will be taking on the Angels. We're going to be talking about the draft. The draft is on Monday, and there's a lot of things interesting about this draft coming up. And probably the biggest thing is, 
is there a deal in place right now for two big free agents who are out there? And the minute that the draft happens, essentially 12.01 on Sunday night, Keichel and Kimbrell will no longer have the draft pick tied to them. Does Scott Boris have a deal for Keichel? It sounds like Scott Boris may have a deal already in place as Scott Boris is saying, hey, listen, my guy's going to be ready to go next week. He'll be ready to be in your rotation next week. I don't necessarily buy that. Uh, anytime you rush guys like that, there's a chance for injury and they go on the IL. But maybe he has a deal in place at 12.01 on essentially Monday morning, Sunday night, when the clock strikes midnight, those guys are officially free agents with no draft pick associated with them. So that is interesting. A big thing that's come out of the 2009 draft that we're going to play for you, that Farhan Zaidi, former assistant general manager, a guy who grew up in the A's system, Billy Bean's right-hand man, he was on the Giants flagship station with uh, one of my really one of my really good friends in this business, and what a great guy at KMBR is John Lund. And John and I used to work at 95-7 the game together. He had on Farhan Zaidi talking about the A's and really everybody. There were 21 teams that passed on a historic player. There were 21 teams that went and looked at this guy, Mike Trout, and said, eh, we're going to go with somebody else. And right now, Mike Trout, at 27 years old, has the greatest war at 27, and there's two other guys with him by the age of 27 at this war. The names are? Ty Cobb and Mickey Mantle. That's how good Mike Trout at the end is going to be recognized, barring that he stays healthy, as one of the greatest players to have ever lived. I mean, that's how good this guy is. And you go back to the draft, 2009. Number one was Steven Strasburg. So, obviously, Strasburg Terrific pitcher, still with the Nationals. There's only three guys remaining from the first round. There were 49 picks in that first round in 2009. Only three guys remain with their original teams. Obviously, Strasburg, Trout, and Kyle Gibson of the Minnesota Twins. Everybody else, gonzo. How about these numbers that are just eye-popping? 49 players. 49 were taken in the draft. 27, that's more than half, Never accumulated a career war of one. It shows you what a crapshoot it is, the MLB draft. And we talked with the general manager yesterday and when we were at the offices, Jack London Square, and we talked with David Forst about it. They have more information than they've ever had before, but it's still nothing like you see in the NBA. It's still nothing like you see in the NFL. I mean, the NFL, I mean, my God. I mean, they've got... You've got all this game tape. You've got, essentially, if you draft a guy as a junior, you've got three years of game tape. And all these big universities, all universities, they actually, if you don't know, they actually tape their practices. So when scouts come in, like let's say in the Bay Area, if you come in and you're looking at a Cal guy, you're looking at a San Jose State guy, you're looking at a Stanford guy, you can pull up, obviously, every single game but you can also pull up every single practice. Then you have the combines and you have the workouts, and they still get it wrong in the NFL. So in 2009, they got it wrong a lot. More than a quarter of the 49 players taken the first round in 2009 never even played in the big leagues. 
And there were guys like Arenado for Colorado was ta- was taken 59th. I mean, there were some great players that were that were missed in the first round. And you want to talk about a great player? And one of the one of the cool things about doing this job right here is Matt Williams came over. Command, Commander Cody, you can uh, verify this. Matt Williams, who is one of the great third basemen of his time, and Matt Williams, a world champion, an all-star, uh, 94, had a chance maybe to break the all-time home run record. I mean, he was terrific with the Giants, with the Indians, with the D-backs. Matt came over to us, and we were talking to him about Trout, and he was like, wow. I mean, a lot of people really don't realize how many people – just looked over the kid from New Jersey. But even Matt Williams, the great Matt Williams, came over and was surprised. Yeah, and you remember, he managed Bryce Harper in, in D.C., so he knows what great talent looks like. And there are so many guys that pass over Trout, and we have a couple pieces of audio that we'll get to eventually that highlight some teams that missed on him, one of them being the A's, the other one being the Diamondbacks with an incredible story. But just Trout being in the same era as um, Ty Cobb and Mickey Mantle at the age of 27 is an incredible accomplishment, for, and he's playing for a team that – really doesn't give him any help with reaching the postseason. He's been to the playoffs, what, one time, and they got swept out of the first round by the Royals. So what Mike Trout's doing where he was drafted is is absolutely incredible. So the A's took Grant Green, number 13 shortstop, out of Southern California. We want to play this audio for you. Mike Trout could have been an A, and it's hard to believe. So Billy Bean and Farhan Zaidi went to – Millville High School to check out Mike Trout for a couple days. So this audio is courtesy of KMBR Sports Radio in San Francisco. The host is John Lund, and it's the GM now of the Giants, Farhan Zaidi, who used to be with the A's, talking about he and Billy Bean going to New Jersey to scout Mike Trout. Were you with the Giants in 09 in the Trout draft? I mean, excuse me, not the Giants, the A's. I was with the A's. Yeah, I, I was there, yes. Well, mm-hmm. I, I was watching this the other day, and I thought you were. It, I was watching this the other day. It was really fascinating, and it just shows you, I think the Major League Baseball draft is the biggest crapshoot of them all because a lot of times you're projecting high school kids or you know college kids and how they're going to hit. In the, and there's just they're so far away, whereas in other sports, they're basically, they can come in and contribute a lot of times just on the very first day. But obviously, you know the story. Uh, Billy goes to see Mike Trout. He goes 0 for 4 that day. He doesn't get to see him run. You're in New Jersey. It's kind of out in the middle of nowhere. And then, uh, you know, it it comes down to Grant Green and Mike Trout, Billy says, and and they take Grant Green, and obviously the rest is history. But, I mean, doesn't that show you just how difficult it is? Because at that point, Trout's 17. He becomes a star at 19. And so logically you'd think to yourself, well, geez, he's two years away from being a star. How could you not see that? But it's just not that easy. It really isn't, and uh, I'll make that story even worse uh, by the fact that I was with Billy on that trip. It was probably the one trip we made out together that year, Um, and so, you know, we doubled up on the worst game that Trout had uh, as a senior. Uh, He had like three pop-outs, right? Yeah, he he, he did not get the ball out of the infield. He took BP before the game with Wood and didn't drive the ball at all, and Billy and I both left there saying, look, we're not going to bang this guy, but obviously that was an impressive look. And we look back all the time and say, you know what, if he'd hit one ball hard or if he'd hit a ball out, you know, might it have been different? I mean, we didn't move him down the draft board based on our look, but there's no doubt that when you have, you know, senior people go in and and a player lights them up, that it's going to positively impact the guy in his draft position. So, you know, after that, I think the scouting director, Eric Kubota, you know, probably wanted to just chain us to our desk during draft (laughs) 
make sure that we didn't mess up his board. But, uh, you know, there, there's another, uh, you know, small uh, historical fact that comes from that, which is 2009, um, you know, the A, when I was over there with the A's, social media was just taking off and Twitter was just taking off. And they had me live tweeting during the draft. Um, and at first they asked me to just live tweet about every pick that was made. And so when the Trout pick was made, I was tweeting every team's pick on the official A's account. There were some angry comments below uh, what I posted. Saying, <laughs> sure, of course. We don't care who these other teams. But there's actually a tweet in the archives, you know, where I, you know, I was just kind of typing out tweets. And I said, you know, the Angels take our, our division rivals, take Mike Trout. He was, you know, the next guy on our board when we picked Grant Green. So that's actually out there in the public domain. I mean, it's hard to believe. A's fans. We could have been looking, and we love Ramon Laureano, the laser, but it, it just shows you, like, my God, how many teams passed on Mike Trout? And he, at the end, I think, you know, he's going to be one of these guys that we're going to be talking about with Willie Mays and Hank Aaron and Mickey Mantle. We talk about, I mean, there's Hall of Famers, and then there's the special Hall of Famers. Ricky Henderson, right? I mean, there's some great um, – I'm not going to put Don Sutton in the category of Ricky Henderson, right? I mean, there's certain guys that stand above as Hall of Famers, and Mike Trout's going to be one of those guys. All right, coming up next, hopefully we're going to be joined by Lou Trevino and Blake Trinan. As, is Trinan throwing down the, down the pin right now? So Trinan actually is throwing a little bit of a bullpen. Lou Trevino stretching, that's the beauty of doing what we do is we get to see everything. We can tell you everything that's going on. Well, the Astros are starting to come onto the field. That's the beauty of A's Cast Live. You get the inside of the inside like nobody else. So soon we're going to be joined by Lou Trevino and Blake Tryon right here on A's Cast Live with Chris Townsend. Want to take home half of the 50-50 pot? This season, you'll have even more opportunities to test out your luck. The Oakland A's Community Fund will host a 50-50 raffle at every home game in 2019. Tickets are sold from gates opening through the last out of the sixth inning, from raffle sellers, or at the kiosk at Section 217. The winner will be announced in-game and will receive 50% of the jackpot, with the remainder benefiting the Oakland A's Community Fund. Learn more at athletics.com raffle. Free parking, free drinks, and maybe even your favorite A's players flying into your lap. The Field Box is a great way to entertain clients or enjoy a game with your family and friends. Located next to each dugout, now is your time to get in on the action right from the field. To learn more about the Field Box and other premium seating options, visit athletics.com premium or call us at 510-638-GO-A's. That's 510-638-4627. 510-638-4627. Want to give back to the community along with some of your favorite A's players and front office staff? Through the A's volunteer team, fans can join us in giving back to Oakland and the East Bay. Through your time and energy, fans can earn rewards based on the number of hours spent volunteering. To get started, visit athletics.com community. That's athletics.com community. From sweet plans to single game suites, there's nothing like premium hospitality and athletics baseball. New for the 2019 season, food and beverages are now included in all suites plus options to create a three game suite plan. Plus, select plans also include an A's Access membership, allowing you to attend every regular season home game. To learn more about A's suites, visit athletics.com slash suites. 
That's athletics.com slash sweets. Hey, kids, have you ever wanted to run the bases like your favorite A's player? Well, here's your chance. Children ages 14 and under can come onto the field following most Sunday home games and race around the bases with A's mascot Stomper there to cheer them on. Make sure to pack your running shoes so you can show off your speed. Race Around the Bases is brought to you by the Oakland A's Community Fund. Now is the time to secure your own terrace table with seating for two or four people to eat, drink, and cheer the A's right from these amazing new half-moon tables. With awesome in-seat ordering and exclusive discounts, this might be the best seat in the house. So grab your friends, family, or co-workers and come out early for a great day at the ballpark. To learn more about the terrace and some of the other exciting new ballpark locations, visit athletics.com slash premium today. Now back to A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. One of the really cool things that we have here with A's Cast Live is the fact that we can be on the field next to the dugout, have the access to the players. And my next two guests are a big part of why the A's won 97 games last year. They're a big part why this team has another shot this year. The all-star Blake Trinan, Lou Trevino. Guys, it's great to have you on. And this is kind of a, you know, a lot of people don't know, and I, I know they haven't talked to you guys about it, but this is kind of a historic thing in baseball is we have never had, nobody in baseball is allowed to do this. We're the only team in baseball allowed to stream live and to be on the field and talk to the players like this. So it's really cool that you guys made it out. I truly appreciate it. And we'll start with you, Blake. You know, how, how are things going for you this season? Uh, you know, I, I think it's going pretty well. Obviously, trying to make some tweaks and, and be a little bit more consistent out there. I demand more, uh, I guess, results uh, as, a, as a player and as a competitor and myself. You know, um, and last year, obviously, it's tough to compare anything as to, as to what I was blessed with last year with this team. Um, but, uh, but, you know, I'm trying to go out there and, and just do my job when, when the save situation's on the line or whenever it's tied to, to put up a zero and, and, uh, and give our team a chance to win. Uh, or at least stay in the game until, you know, maybe Lou rolls in there for two or three innings. Who knows? You know, you guys, I've noticed this. You guys are really hard on, it, uh, on yourselves. You know, you know, you know as your, your own worst critic, as some people would say. And I know, Lou, we've talked about this before. You really, it's, you guys expect that excellence every single time you come out. Yeah, uh, I think that if you don't, if you're not striving for perfection, I know you'll never, you'll, you'll never attain it. No one will ever attain perfection. But if you're not striving for perfection, then uh, you tend to be a little more uh, closed-minded in, in, in certain things, and you kind of, you know, you, you tend to stay the same. Uh, I know for me, I'm always looking to, to improve what, what I what I do uh, and improve pitch quality, um, location, stuff like that. And I'm always trying to have a perfect outing. And I know it'll never happen, but you know, I know I know with Blake too, you know, and. A lot of the pitching staff, you know, we, we strive to be the best we can, and, and that's how you stay ahead of everyone else. Everybody is always making adjustments. It's like you make adjustments from the first day in the big leagues all the way to your last game in the big leagues. So talk about, like, those adjustments that, you know, because people would look at you and your stuff and say, my God, you had one of the greatest years. Why would you make any an adjustment? Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, I don't really know. I can't answer from, like, a fan's perspective, I guess. But, like, for me, like Lou was saying, you're always trying to find something because the league will try to figure you out, and you can be as elite as Craig Kimbrell and Kenley Jansen and Zach Britton, guys who predominantly one-pitch, two-pitch pitchers, right? Like you look at Kenley Jansen, 
dominating cutter. He could throw it 100% of the time of the year and have a great season, right? Zach Britton, same thing with his sinker. Craig Kimbrell with his fastball slider combination. It's, you know, guys are out there and blessed to do that. And, um, you know, yeah, I could probably go out there and, and run my sinker. It's not, it's not Zach Britton's sinker. You know, I can't throw it like him every single time. You know, analytically, people might argue one way or the other. But for me, I'm not, I'm not stupid. Before I came here, my sinker against lefties was a 340 average pitch. So I'm not going to run it out there every single pitch to lefty. Do I eliminate it? No. But I have to find a way to be more combative. So I come here, I get to play catch with Lou, and he's got, from day one when I saw him, probably the best cutter velo-wise and action-wise. It almost plays more like a slider with cutter velocity. And um, So how, how can I take advantage of a resource like Lou? And, you know, playing catch with him, messing with grips, having an opportunity to play with Tanner Roark in D.C. between him and Lou, you know, I've tried to develop a cutter. And, you know, some days it's, it's – last year it worked really good for me. This year it's, it's hit and miss at times. Um, it's a good pitch to, to help offset – um, you know, is it going to sink one way or is it going to cut the other way or is it going to stay true uh, heater-wise, you know? So um, if you can find any way to keep hitters on their toes and more of a balanced approach as opposed to leaning and cheating to certain pitches on different corners of the plate, I think it, it, it bodes to your advantage as a pitcher, and that's that's all I'm trying to do. Well, I, it's, it's, it's still shocking that Kimbrell does not have a job right now. I mean, yeah, he's going to have one It's a little soon. ridiculous, actually. It, yeah, it's, it's, it's really sad, and I think things need to change. Let's end on this, and just for both of you, when you talk about playing catch with each other, it's interesting just the simple game of catch, what you two can learn from each other. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, for me, catch is the most important time in, 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 in my whole entire day. Uh, you don't have to throw 100 miles an hour every pitch to, to learn something. I know I have a little different approach than than most people. Uh, sometimes I think it drives trying a little, little crazy, but like <laughs> I, I I literally will lob I will lob everything. I don't put anything behind it. I'll be 60 percent effort, but I'm just trying to feel something out. You know, he he might be a little different, um, and uh, most people are different. But I'm 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 a big feel guy, so I, I like to something I. I like to uh, I, I like to feel things. I like to feel the fastball off, off my fingertips, trying to feel it out in front. Same with my cutter. Same with my two seam. You know, I'm, I'm a big feel guy. So, and then with him, you know, with the sinker that he has, sometimes it makes me try a little harder to make it move as much as his does. But uh, but yeah, I mean, to have to have a guy like Blake um, as a, essentially a mentor. Uh, it's, it's it's pretty special. How about the chops on Manaya? It's, I mean, who? <laughs> Epic. I don't. I, I could never rock chops like that. And the fact that he's done it for what two weeks now, and he bought a top hat like that dude is, he's incredible. Ebenezer Scrooge, man. Yeah, oh, the Samoan Scrooge. I told him he looked but like a Samoan, a Samoan Elvis is what he looks like. Yeah, it's incredible. <laughs> yeah. That's Guys, we appreciate the time. We know you got to go, but. Thank you so much for stopping by as we're launching this. It's big to have you guys be a part of it. Of course, what you guys do is epic for this team, and we appreciate you stopping by. Good luck against these Astros. It's going to be a good series. Oh, thanks, thanks, Chris, for having, having us. us. Yeah. Blake trying and Lou Trevino, TNT. They're one of the reasons why the A's are where they are, why they won 97 games last year, and why they're going to have a chance to – to bring down the Astros this year. So special having these guys here as uh, it's always great to interact with the players, and that's one of the great things why we uh, why we have AceCast going now because the ability to uh, – well, we now have a rock star of a rock star showing up here. Dude, I just got waved in. That's what I mean. I was, you, I mean, I was bringing you in. I you got the setup guy in the closer. <laughs> now you're bringing the mop-up guy. I'm bringing in a World Series hero <laughs> is what I'm bringing. I'm bringing in a former Cal Bear, for God's sake. I was going to say, that's probably more important right now is knowing that I'm a Cal Bear back here in the Bay Area where I love to be. Yeah. Blummer, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. How are you guys doing? I can tell you every single time you come on, 
and we play it on the pregame show, the text line will blow up. It's like, really? yeah, you have Pete, you you still have you have a fan base still here in the Bay Area. I hope I don't need it too soon, but I'm glad to have it. No, I love being back here, man. The Bay Area has been great to me. California has been great to me. Um, I love telling people that I went to Cal and played baseball there and actually uh, got good enough grades to qualify to be on the roster <laughs> when I was playing. That means I was doing things in school. But, uh, no, and you know what? I don't. I probably don't tell people often enough that, you know, the reason I think I have this job or even got considered for the job I have right now with the Astros is because I have that label of being a Golden Bear. If I didn't have that Cal uh, that Cal aura around me or that, uh, you know, that credibility that I could actually – complete a full sentence I probably wouldn't have this job right now I think it's really helped and I think about the Cal Bears you think Bob Melvin went to Cal played yep. baseball there Marcus Simeon Mark Hanna we got Cal Bears all over the place is that I think that's awesome just on the outside looking in being able to have a team this close to Berkeley because this is where we would hop on BART come down pay the five bucks sit in the bleacher seats before uh, the Al Davis Memorial went up and sit there and rag on Ken Griffey Jr. the entire <laughs> night. So I think it's great that they actually have a couple of Cal Bears out here. It's got to be appealing for fans to come down and cheer them in college, watch them go up through the ranks, and then see them on a big league field. It's got to be awesome. Yeah, you know, talking with Mark Can about when he was a kid coming here. I mean, think yeah. about it. You came here as a kid. You're you as a, 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 a college baseball player dreaming about playing here, and then you get the opportunity. Yeah, it, it's amazing. Much like, I mean – for me, growing up in Southern California, it was the Dodgers, Padres, and watching some of those games, and eventually I got to play with the San Diego Padres. It wasn't at uh, it wasn't at Qualcomm Stadium or Jack Murphy, whatever you prefer to call it. I played in both, but uh, it was nice to be able to play back home. It's always nice to be able to go on the field and have a certain level of comfort, almost like playing in your backyard. All right, before we get to talking about A's and Astros, there's a lot of talk about the 2009 draft because the draft's on Monday. Yep. 21 teams passed on Mike Trout. And we just we, There's no do-overs in drafts, right? We just we just <laughs> we just played Farhan Zaidi is now the uh, GM for the Giants, but we just played a clip of him talking about he and Billy Bean go to New Jersey, watch Trout for 2 days. I guess he has the worst two games of his senior year. <laughs> it was those two games and they went, "Eh, we're going to go with Grant Green." Oh my, yeah. There how many so there are 21 stories just like that. And that's what's crazy about the draft. And that's what's even crazier with the Astros is seeing how successful they have been in the draft getting guys like Carlos Correa, Lance McCullers in the same draft because they're able to manipulate it. But, man, it's a crapshoot. But it seems like more teams these days are relying on the draft as opposed to in the past when I was coming up where you draft a guy, try and develop him, and then eventually get him to the big leagues. But now they're expecting some immediate impact within two, three years of these top, top draft picks. You know, I mention it all the time how the NFL – when you're going to a college, you're going to have three years. If you're taking a junior, obviously a senior four years, but if you're taking a junior, you've got three years of game film. They got game film of every single practice. You have a combine. You have personal workouts. You know everything about the guy, and they get it wrong. So that's why it's hard to think about baseball. Baseball doesn't have nearly as much information as football has. No, it's very true, and that's why you've got to send guys out there like Billy Bean and one of your head scouting directors because you have to get your eyes on them. But, again, you're talking about – you know, a, a high school baseball has minimal coverage as far as video is concerned. It's, it's almost upon the parent to be able to take video of their kid and send it out there because the organizations, there's only so many people that can cover all of these kids all over the country to be able to go out and see them. And if you time it wrong and the kid has a rough day, you're going to go, eh, he didn't do much to impress me. Or if you have a bad conversation with the kid or if you see him spike a bat after a strikeout, you're going to wonder, well, I don't know if I want that guy in my organization, but they're 18. 
that's the tough part too. <laughs> how do you how do you project an 18-year-old? Uh, because Mike Trout has turned into everything that uh, that we could even imagine a major league baseball player being. So Farhan Zaidi and Billy Bean go out to scout <laughs> Trout at 17 years old. They pass on him. They said he was the next guy on the board. Of course, you got to say that. Two years <laughs> later, he's in the big leagues. Yep, contributing. And you know what's great? That's another good thing is a lot of people at home should know, too, as good as Mike Trout was, he was a guy that rushed to the big leagues, scuffled, went back down, got his ABs, came back up, and then obviously dominated the rest of his career and f- the foreseeable career. But, uh, yeah, he's, a, he's an immediate impact guy. But how do you know you have that in a 17-, 18-year-old guy? What was it like for you when you got drafted? <laughs> I, was, I was like, who in the heck? No, I was just kidding. Uh, I actually got drafted by John Hughes, who was a coach for the California Golden Bears in the mid to late 80s, and then eventually moved over to the professional side, became a scout for the Montreal Expos, and I was in constant contact with him, and he drafted me in the seventh round. And part of the funniest part about my story is, is I didn't get drafted in the first day of – of, of the draft. I think they went through five rounds that first day, and then the next day they just continued on as fast as they could through the rest of the rounds in the draft. But, dude, I didn't have a cell phone. I didn't have a pager. You know, there was no way for me to get in contact with anybody, so I didn't get a call. I sat on the by the phone the first day hoping for something in the first five rounds, and then I didn't get anything the next day. I said, screw it. I'm going to the mall with my girlfriend. We were gone for about three or four hours, and I show back up. My mom's like, you know, Bill Stoneman called. Here's his number. Give him a call. And that's how I found out that I got drafted by the Expos in the seventh round in the 1994 June draft. Yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's sad to say, but we're, we're about the same age. We're like the last group to go through college and didn't have the Internet. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm in the bowels of you know, some of the libraries at Cal. I'm sitting there for days with that noise and my just trying to connect to some kind of Internet and trying to have access to uh, information. But, uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, what, uh, what Internet use we had was very limited and very slow. And crazy, like the NFL draft now, cities are dying to get the NFL draft, and they say, like, the yeah. economic impacts, like $250 million for the city. Back in the day, you had the draft. You'd find out in the paper the next day who got drafted for your favorite NFL team. Yeah, that's bizarre. It's turned – I mean, let's be honest. The NFL has done an unbelievable job in marketing every single aspect of their sport. I mean, from the offseason – you know, the, the, the workouts that they're having, the the mandatories, the non-mandatories, the drafts, everything. The combine, for crying out loud, is televised, you know, every minute of it. So they've done a really good job of monetizing that. And now I guess it's uh, it's worth it for every city to make a bid. Jeff Blum joins us here. He's with the Houston Astros, former Cal Bear, World Series hero. We always love having him on here. Uh, A's cast live on TuneIn. So check this out. I like getting massages. Oh, man, deep tissue, deep tissue massages. Yeah, how, how, how do you crack a rib? Get a yeah. Massage? Well, since you're a massage guy, do you pay extra for that? <laughs> well, what, what, is someone jumping on him? What, what's going no on? With Korea? Yeah, I don't know if 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 somebody was. Yeah, if, if your masseuse is going to take a walk along your back, it better be a certain weight limit to that but I mean obviously we don't know what happened or what position he was in when he got the injury but yes it is odd to hear that a 25 year old professional athlete gets a massage hard enough to to snap a rib that's a little concerning yeah and then I think about all the injuries you think about Altuve obviously I think he's a future hall of famer when you get 200 hits every single year Uh, but but the one guy that's really interesting when you look at the numbers you look at the OPS at the leadoff spot when Springer's in there versus when he's not, and you oh. look at the Astros' record when he plays and when he doesn't. 
I think you can make a case this great team, the Houston Astros, Springer could be the MVP. Yes, no, absolutely. And I think he's having an MVP-type season. Hopefully he comes back from his hamstring issue relatively quick. He's out running around right now, but I know it's going to be a, a, you know, a couple of rehab games for him to get back in and make sure that that thing's okay. But, no, I think you are exactly right. For a leadoff man, when he was in there and he was healthy, he was leading the leading American League in home runs, RBIs, runs scored, on-base percentage, OPS, whatever you want to call it. He was literally leading all of those particular categories. And not just the MVP of the league, but he is definitely the, the one that got the Astros going. The second he starts the ball game by digging in, he's an absolute threat. And think about the pressure that puts on a starting pitcher to start out a game against a guy like that who can launch you about 450 feet. But once he gets on or you pitch around him or you give up the base hit, he's on first base and you've got Altuve, Correa, Brantley, Gurriel, and those guys coming up behind him. So he's a great table setter for this lineup. You know, I think about the Astros and how good they are. I mean, they've been good for years. Is this their best win healthy? Is this yes. their best team? Yeah, I think statistically, we you know, we raved about 2017, what they were able to do offensively. But I think what they have going now with a couple of guys in the rotation with uh, Verlander Cole, Wade Miley's having a, a fantastic season. The guy you're going to see tonight, Brad Peacock, in his last four starts has been unbelievable. I think he hasn't been scored on in his last 12 innings. But you get, those, you get those guys that overachieve a little bit in your rotation. That kind of protects number one, number two. But then you add to the back end of the rotation, Will Harris is having an all-star season again. And then you add Presley and Osuna at the back end of that uh, bullpen. It's much like you guys have here in Oakland with Trevino and uh, Trinan. When you have those shutdown guys, it makes those one-run games winnable, let alone those ones where the offense goes out and scores 10 runs. Yeah, this it, it, it it's a complete team. They yeah. play very good defense too. Yeah, I mean, that's it's going to be tough for Oakland to track them down. That's why these, whenever they match up, it's for oh. either team. It's to either bury the, last the A's. Two or three or, years have been a lot of fun to watch this matchup right here. No doubt about it. And, and and I and I hate to bring this up, that poor girl that got hit. And yeah. I know that just changed. Do we have an update on her? I, I haven't heard anything. Nothing official yet, and uh, everything was just kind of sporadic information we were getting the night of that game. I know that ESPN and CNN and some other outlets have kind of released some stuff, but we internally and with the Astros, we have nothing uh, nothing confirmed that we can put out there right now. And it, it's one of those deals, and I, I'm looking here as we're standing by the dugout. The netting ends at the dugout. Do we need to get to a point like we saw in Japan, Tokyo, Japan, the yep. netting goes all the way down the line? Do we need to do that in baseball? I, I, I would not mind it if it happened. And uh, Houston is very similar to you, what you guys have here with the netting to the end of the dugout. The only difference is you guys are about 150 feet away from the foul line. So you guys have a little more time to react and get out of the way and things like that. Whereas in Houston, you're much closer, and that's why the reaction time is a little bit different. And the reason I wouldn't mind seeing the netting go down is because of a lot of things that we talk about in our broadcast. It's exit velocity constantly what we're talking about. And the athletes we're seeing on the field nowadays, these guys are jacked out of their mind. They work out. They get their swings uh, in good shape to be able to barrel the baseball as often as they can. And you've got guys throwing 95 miles an hour. So you add bat speed to velocity, you get exit velocity. And sometimes if it's not directed towards fair territory, it ends up in the seats, and fans have a tough time reacting to that. That's why I wouldn't mind – if they did move the nets, I wouldn't mind seeing it. And I, and I think we'll end on this. We know something's different with the ball. And oh, they, I think that, that needs to be talked about, too. I think you're exactly right. And it was actually in your guys' series where Joe Madden brought that up. Yes. And so I was talking about it here on Ace Cast Live, but we were talking about the balls being put in play and flying over the walls. We didn't even think about 
what it is going into the stands. Yep. And I don't care how old you are. I don't care what you've played. If a ball's coming at you 100 miles an hour, you can't defend yourself. Yeah, you're, well, if you do actually get a hand on it, what's going to happen to your hand? You're probably going to – but you would – it's almost what would you rather break, your hand to your face or your chest? You know, I mean, but it's, it's going to find you. It's going to ricochet, but you're right. I, I think that the baseball needs to be talked about because in combination with the athletes that are playing this game nowadays and at the rate at which a baseball is flying off the bat – uh, needs to be talked about, too. I could talk to you all day. I know. We could do this all day. I feel like we've been doing it for years, too, man. Uh, yeah. It's been you, good. You are the best. Thank you so much. It's going to be an interesting series, and we'll see you up in the press box. No, congratulations on everything. And anytime I can get back on air in the Bay Area, I, I enjoy it, and you do the best getting me out there. I appreciate you it. You still have a fan base yep. here, my friend. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Coming up next, Coco Chris is in waiting. He's on the on-deck circle. He'll be joining me right here on A's Cast Live. Don't miss any of the action this year at the ballpark. From giveaways to fireworks, there's always a reason to come out to the yard. On Friday, May 31st, the first place Astros come to town for three games. Game one of the series will have first pitch at 7.07 p.m. The night will feature Greek Heritage Night. Celebrate all things Greek at this annual event as each special ticket will include an exclusive Euroball t-shirt. Game two on Saturday, June 1st will feature Pride Night. All fans in attendance for Pride Night will receive an Oakland A's Pride Night fanny pack. First pitch for this game will be at 7.07 p.m. The final game of the Astros series is on Sunday, June 2nd, as the A's and Strohs will kick off the ball game at 1.07 p.m. The afternoon includes Scout Day. This special day is open to all boy and girl scout troops and includes a pregame parade on the field and an exclusive Scout Day patch. For more information about all upcoming events at the ballpark, visit athletics.com slash promotions. That's athletics.com slash promotions. It's time to grab your reserved space in the popular Connie Mack Club. The club space gives your group a private area located in Shive Park Tavern for the entire ball game. The Connie Mack Club features access to outdoor seating and includes a pre-game buffet filled with our highest-end food package. This area of the ballpark is perfect for 30 to 50 guests to kick back, relax, and enjoy the game. For more information about the Connie Mack Club and other group offers, visit athletics.com groups. Chris Townsend for nestbedding.com. If you've been mattress shopping, you know the cost of a memory foam mattress is insane. And what do you know about the company that makes the mattress and the other one that sold it to you? Check out my friends at nestbedding.com, a local company that actually makes the mattress they sell right here in the USA, which means you get a high-quality memory foam mattress at half the cost, and shipping is always free. I love this company, local business, made in the USA, free shipping. Did I mention their lifetime guarantee? Mattress and bedding needs. Go to Nest betting.com streaming from the east bay a's cast live continues with chris townsend if you would have told me years ago that the athletic center fielder would become a media darling coco chris i would have said no coco's not going to get into the media what's happening my man Tony, how you doing man i'm doing great how are you enjoying uh, your time I'm enjoying it. It's a it's a learning process, you know, uh, just getting started, learning a lot from Ken and Vince, yourself, Dallas, uh, the guys that have been here doing it. And, you know, uh, even Matt, he's been helping me out a lot, sending me text messages throughout the broadcast to tell me when to shut up and <laughs> <laughs> to talk more. So it is a learning process, kind of just doggy paddling right now. Pretty soon, hopefully, you know, I'll be doing a backstroke and, and all the little fancy swim moves. 
Well, the, you know, the thing is, and, and I remember when it was announced and we were down at spring training and I talked to Bob Melvin and Bob was talking about how, you know, a lot of center fielders are just guys that are just, they're out there, right? They're just athletes and they, they just react to what they see. And Bob, Bob said this, not all center fielders are the smartest guys or the smartest <laughs> baseball guys, but he said Coco was a student of the game. I think that was a great compliment by a guy who's been a three-time manager of the year talking about you being a student of the game as a guy that you know you're looking in you're seeing everything the pitcher you're seeing you know what's being called that you really studied it right I mean I, I think uh, uh first off thanks Bo Mel I appreciate yeah. that um but I started off as an infielder you know I got signed as a shortstop so I learned in the minor leagues that side of it then later on moved to the outfield so I was able to have that dynamic of playing the infield professionally and then moving and learning the the game in the outfield at the big league level for the most part. So that gave me an understanding of what the guys are doing as far as cutoff relays, outfield where they're supposed to be now that I'm out there as well. So that dynamic really helped me out a lot. I wish I would have played the infield, at least one game in the big leagues, that didn't happen. But being a switch hitter, that actually helps me from both sides of the plate. And then learning from Ricky Henderson while I was here and being a base stiller, that gives me that base running. So, you know, I was fortunate throughout my career to kind of be here and there and be able to learn and now be able to take the infield stuff, the outfield stuff, base running, being on both sides of the plate, and utilize that in my conversation. Yeah, everybody talks about how you have to be strong up the middle. And what it is, it's like the corner guys, they don't get to see what pitches are being called. They don't get to see the interaction between the catcher and the pitcher. But the shortstop, the second baseman, and the center field, you know what's going on. That's why it's so interesting, the difference between when you're playing up the middle to versus right field, left field, uh, first or third. You may not know, but you guys up the middle, you know. Right, and the thing that comes with being a center fielder, too, is you get that, that, that view. You know, you see the catcher setting up outside, so now you can anticipate a little bit better from the center field view that the pitch is going to be made on the outside. You have trust in your pitcher that he's going to be able to do that. But also, the center fielder, the shortstop, they have to be leaders of the infield. So when you're studying and they're going over the scouting reports as a center fielder, you also have to know what the left fielder is supposed to do, what the right fielder is supposed to do. Same thing with the shortstop. He has to know where to position the second baseman, different uh, shifts that they have now. The shortstop has to know all that just to let people know in advance what's going on. And the other guys study, so they know as well. So it doesn't take that much to kind of help a guy out here and there. But if the sun's in your eye, being able to communicate that as a center fielder, uh, with the other guys letting them know. So there is a little bit of a, a leadership quality that you have to have playing in the middle of the infield or outfield. Yeah, it is truly crazy how baseball has changed so much in such a little short time from the standpoint uh, of a lot of different things, but defense, the mm -hmm. shifting and, and the movement of the players. I, I mean, just like in your career, how quick it changed. Right. It, it, there were some shifts being put on when – when I was in the game, but now it's with the analytics and, and, and all the statistics that go into uh, scouting players, scouting teams, you see it a lot more nowadays, and they really play. If you're a pull hitter, they'll shift you all the way to your pull side and have that one guy on the right side of the infield or, or, or shift you in the outfield. So it makes it a lot harder as a hitter, and the dynamic of it, you say, well, all you have to do if everybody's on the, on the right side of the infield and just the third baseman is playing shortstop, all you got to do is hit over there. You know, that that's an easy hit. 
I tried to do that. That's the toughest thing to do when you get outside of your approach to be successful. You end up hitting it right at the third baseman. So these shifts, it makes it a lot harder now, now in this day and age to get hits. Yeah, I've really applauded Matt Olson on his ability to to work on bunting because that's one of the cool things, Coco, about being out here now is we get to see everything that they're doing, right? We can see who's working on what, and we've really seen a, a big effort by Matt Olson to work on his bunting, and now I think it's three or four bunt hits, and you keep doing that, the scouting report's going to be out there, mm -hmm. and that's going to change how people defend you. Definitely. You see him in batting practice, uh, working on his, his bunt to third base, not just you know, in there going through the motion. He's actually working on pushing it hard past the pitcher to third base to a point where he knows he's going to get a base hit out of that. So he's just actually working on it in batting practice. And what that does, like you said, is it moves the shortstop or the third baseman that's playing shortstop over to respect that bunt. And now it opens up that area that was hard for me to hit past the shift, but it opens up that area where you feel more comfortable getting hits there as well. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's funny. You know, on the post-game show, people, why don't you just hit a ground ball to short to be a base at every time? <laughs> eh, it's just not that easy. But the whole thing was shifting. It works. That's the one thing I think But what, what everybody started to realize, is the numbers, you know, certain only certain, like the Astros were one of the original teams to do it. Uh, you saw the Tampa Bay Rays. They're always at the forefront of a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. Now everybody does it. And the one thing that this year that's changed things is that they're shifting on right-handers. As Josh Reddick is showing up, and it's going to be Coco and Josh hanging out. No. Josh Reddick is here with us once again. What's up, buddy, it's been a long time. Good to see you. It has been. How's life? You. Oh, married, future dad. It's changed. Oh, baby. Life has changed. That's awesome. <laughs> Daddy, Daddy Reddick, huh? Two of them. Woo. Twin boys. That's awesome. Yeah. How you loving that? We'll find out. They're coming in October. Oh, twins? Twin boys. Oh yeah. my gosh. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of a lot of work, huh? Oh yeah. Busy off season. That's awesome, man. Congratulations. Yes. Appreciate that. Well, brother. I can tell you, I have twin girls who are 13. No thanks. It's going to be really, really <laughs> tough early. But the good thing is, as they get older, they have a natural play, someone to play with. So you exactly. just you got to survive the first couple of years, and then you're golden. You've always got a buddy system, right? You exactly. You always, <laughs> and the way they the way they operate is they always have a best friend. They always got someone looking after them. Yep. But the first two years, good luck to you and your wife. It's not going to be <laughs> easy. You. Yep, it'll be fun. I think it'll be exciting. I think when you come back here, there's got to be a lot of special vibes because I said it as we started this show today that you truly are one of the all-time fan favorites. The way that, not only the way you played, we love the, how hard you played. That's one of the reasons why we love Coco so much. Absolutely. But the relationship you had with the fans, the fans in right field, I, I, I'm sure they still give you love when you come back. <laughs> a little bit. It's turned a little bit more into in trash talk over the years. That's, that's great. And it might be in part to a, a misquote last year from me saying meaningful games were being played here, which is completely false because, as we all know, Coco and I have played some very meaningful games here at the Coliseum when it was the Coliseum. So um, had a lot of great times here. But, yeah, I think the fan interaction we had my first few years and how they welcomed me in, uh, it, it was really a lot of fun. And, and you know, that's what, just what you're here to do. You're here to play the game hard. And um, I learned a lot from this fellow across from me. So it's good to see you still wears that same Oakland Raiders hat he had when we played together. You know what? <laughs> you talk about the Oakland Raiders hat. There was a, there was a moment. I know the, the fans are going to get on me about this, so I'll take a little heat off of you. There was a moment where they traded, they traded away Khalil. They traded away uh, Cooper, yep. and I was like, man, I'm done. 
my whole life, I was a Raiders fan. I Big put on time. a Rams hat. I came out here throughout the first pitch, and probably because I had on a Rams hat, I spiked it. Um, <laughs> but then I switched back. I said I just couldn't do it. Felt like I was cheating, you know. So, you had to have, yes. yeah, I had to. That's but uh, talking about our good old days, man. <laughs> I remember uh, when we first uh, became teammates. You were really unfiltered. Gefilte fish. Gefilte fish. Yes. All That's my it. teammates have heard this story several times <laughs> over there on the Houston side. Yeah, let, I, let, I, let's, tell, let's tell the world about it. What, what happened? Well, what the, what the world doesn't know is that uh, Covelli Chris was, <laughs> was a very big mentor, not only on the baseball field, but off it as well. I was a, as everybody might know, I was a very unfiltered mouth Georgia redneck coming over to a place that I had never really thought could be a possible on, the, on this earth in California. So way out of my element. Um, Ran my mouth a lot, as we all know, and some things got out of line. Coco had w had one line that would come out to make me shut up, and it was gefilte fish because I was going too far. The buddy system. So I knew right then and there to shut up and, and, and change the subject. So it, ta it taught me a lot. taught me a lot how to, uh, you know, one, what, use the what right words to say when you were talking about certain things. And then there were just some things that didn't need to be mentioned at all. So I learned a lot from that as well. Well, that's the thing that you—that—that's what veteran players do, and that's what you've become now. Is you, Coco, you gotta—you gotta help young guys not only learn how to play on the field, but you gotta help them in the clubhouse, your money, mentorship, who—who—who who, who, who you're hanging around. I mean, you gotta help them on and off the field. Right, and one of the things you know, flipping on the other side of me possibly helping him out a little bit. I mean, he knew what he was saying. He didn't need all that. It was just fun and games. But, you know, there was times where I was struggling in outfield, and we had some of our hometown fans getting on me when I miss a play, and Red would stick up for me as an outfielder out there. So it was nice to have guys like a Josh Reddick out there alongside of you to be able to be like, hey, man, relax. You know, we're human, you know. So, you know, I appreciate that, oh, yeah. and, and thank you. They still sit up there in the very corner spot right above the State Farm sign. I won't single anybody out. <laughs> but they, they did. They hit my man hard, and I said, hey, man, shut up. <laughs> Other words maybe would have been said, but I was just like, look, man, this is the home team. Nobody likes being booed by their home fan base, and, you know, we're here playing for all these people that are here to watch us play. And like you said, we're human. We struggle. We've all seen it, and, you know, you just got to pick your boys up. And at the same time, when he'd get done by himself, I always tell him, keep that chin up. Got that chin up all the time, brother. Always have my back. Always. Yep. You, you guys played in some big games, and you Absolutely. guys won a lot of games. What was that like, the, the tandem between you two? Because the reality is, with you two, I mean, defense was so strong in the outfield. It was a hallmark of those winning teams. It was, absolutely. You know, uh, you know the two of us, and even having Cespi out there, had you know a lot of great speed out there. Guys who were willing to run through every wall to make every play and pick up our pitchers whenever we needed to. Um, but, yeah, like you said, a lot of big games. I mean, you know, the year of walk-offs, I think it was 13. We had all those walk-offs. I think Coco had like seven of them. So that, that was a fun time. Even the playoffs, that big walk-off he pulled for us in 2012. So, yeah, a lot of big games. Prince Fielder robbed home run game three, Aww. 12. Yep, right here at home. First game at home in the playoffs that year. That was an exciting moment. But yeah, a lot of, lot of exciting moments with this ball club, especially uh, here in this ballpark. Probably none more exciting than your walk-up song. <laughs> I mean, that was probably the best walk-up song in my book. I mean, I can't use mine. but no, you can't use yours. You can't use mine. No. But Careless Whisper, I mean, we had things rocking. What made, you, what, what made you use the Careless Whisper for, song? For those that don't know, 2014 was a struggle year for me, and um, I was battling a knee injury a lot and really wasn't swinging the bat well. I remember one day we were playing the White Sox coming into town, and we're sitting in the clubhouse. We, you know, we know we got the 1984 XM radio in, in our Oakland clubhouse from – way back and it was playing careless whisper on the random radio station I said, man this would be a funny walk-up song to come up to so i said you know what the heck with it i'm gonna try it 
first at bat, beat the shift in a single, and then went deep for like the second, third time that year. <laughs> so anytime you go deep with a new walk-up song, as we all know, baseball is superstitious. we got to stick with it. I went off, had, had a great rest of the year with that, and it got a lot more PR than I thought. And as we all know, a lot of fans here had a lot of fun with it. even saw videos of Doolittle and the bullpen dancing. So <laughs> took off a lot more than I ever thought it would, but it was a fun time because it got a lot of more recognition than I thought. Yeah, you had the whole right field crew. Da -da! They're waving their hands. <laughs> oh, man, those yep. were the good old days. See, oh, yes. Red brought that that love for the fans to the ballpark. And with his walk-up song, his personality out there, it made it feel like a family. He was a huge part of that time, that era in 2012, 11, or, or 13, or yep. when we made those runs yep. of bringing the fans and and the actual players making us like one. You know, and that was that was a testament to him with the with the pies in the face and just making it really Spider-Man outfit. Oh man, trying spider, to make it fun. The, that was, that was, yeah, tell me about that. How did that Spider-Man outfit <laughs> game? Oh, that was awesome. <laughs> yes. Oh uh, well, I said in the ninth inning, if we walked off that game, the person who walked off was going to get pied in a Spider-Man suit. Sure enough, as we all know, Coco was that guy, and no joke, I literally sprinted up to my my locker. <laughs> Whole way up the stairs, taking every piece of clothing I had off, minus my chonies, <laughs> and literally sprinted into my uh, my Spider-Man outfit. And I think Dallas Braden helped help me get into it quick enough and be able to come back down here and run around the visiting side. And you know, now looking back, I didn't realize that I may have been insulting the team we walked off that day because <laughs> I didn't even think about their feelings and their reactions to it. But there you go again. Just goes to show when you're trying to have fun, things go out the window and they get a little more PR than than anything. And I'll never forget. Uh, when I came up and hugged Coco, he goes, who else but Red? That's just Red being Red. So that was a good time as well, <laughs> being able to laugh that off. Well, they're saying you only have a limited time left. Let's uh, let's talk about your ball club. You guys got a really good team. Yeah, we do. It's a lot of fun being on that that ball club over there. Um, you know, another thing going back with Coco, being able to go to their place and, and sprinting to the bat rack. I remember those days in, in, you know, 14, 13, 14, when they first came over and just knowing we were going to go out there and have us a good game. Kind of roles kind of got reversed when I when I signed here. It was a little different different ball club than what I remember playing playing with and against in 15 and 16. So a lot of great young talent over there who can one drive the ball to the ballpark, score runs, steal bases. Just a real complete ball club, and they've done a great job of drafting their players and doing the right job to sign right guys. Well, and then you got some crafty veterans. I think Verlander's still doing what he's doing at his age. I mean, he, he could is. be he could be the front runner right now for the Cy Young. Very easy, you know. The the, the, the things he can do is unreal. The, the the prep work, the mindset. Even on days off when he's not pitching, he's in the dugout giving us prep, pep talks, trying to get us pumped up for a win a, to win a ball game. Yeah, and you know it's crazy. I look out in there and I think I've got third most service time on that ball club, and that's hard to believe because here I am, 32 years old. It's hard to believe seven years ago was the first time I played here. So. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of good guys, and Mike Brantley as well. Mike Brantley, who a guy who's 300 hitter pretty much every year when he's healthy, brings a lot of uh, positiveness to the field. I, I will say that to us. When we're out there, he's a great guy to have on my back because I really haven't had a, a lefty kind of another guy like that in our lineup in this ball club when McCann left. So it was good to see him come jump in and be able to relate to somebody who's sort of like me and can make me a better hitter from that standpoint. Well, I can tell you this. I've been around here a long time, and I've been doing these shows for a long time. I can tell you the fact you are, you, you are still a fan favorite. People still root that. for you around here, and you were a great A. Obviously, you were voted into the, in the, <laughs> in the, in the, in the top 100 A's. Yeah. Top 50. Top, top 50. 50. Let's get yeah. that right. <laughs> top 50. So We were in there. They, they, uh, they haven't forgotten you here. You're, right. you're always going to be loved. Hey, Oakland will always be where uh, I, I, you know, I feel like I made a, a good start for myself, made a big name, and 
um, you know, this will always be a, a special place in my heart, and I always talk about coming back here and playing at least one more year. So I think that would be a blessing to be able to be a part of. Well, great stuff. We appreciate it. Good luck in this series, and we'll talk to you soon. Yep, thank you, guys. All right, Red Dog. Yeah, buddy. Josh Reddick, always fun to have him on. One of the good A's. Had a great run here with the Oakland Athletics, as he talked about the good days of 2012, 2013, 2014. Good times. Definitely good times. And you can, you know, those teams, if they could have just gotten past Verlander <laughs> and, and the Detroit Tigers, we, we could all be wearing World Series rings. Yeah, we talk about Verlander and how he just is able to do it year in, year out. And he was tough on us during those playoff times, and they gave him the rock. And, you know, he, he has that mentality to, to when the game's on the line, he just has that competitiveness that he goes out there and he's like, I'm not going to let anybody beat me. But going back, talking about Red, you know, he – in that clubhouse, in that atmosphere, and I know he's kind of carrying it over to the Astros with his presence inside that clubhouse. Team chemistry is a huge part in a team's success. And having Josh Reddick in the Oakland Athletics clubhouse during that time made our clubhouse fun, energetic. We were a team, and that's one of the reasons why we had so much success, and I know we can credit a lot of their success to having him over there in that clubhouse as well. And it's funny because not only you, I think of Johnny Gomes, there was a couple guys that had to rein him in a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you're young. You know, you're learning. You're learning the game. And, and, and at the same time, you want everybody to still be themselves. So I think Red uh, brought a great personality. And like he said, he's a veteran guy now. And even in the conversation here, you can see how much he's grown and see how much when you talk to anybody, how much they've grown throughout the years in this game. I can tell you, as a guy who has twins, he has no idea what he's getting into. Oh, man, I'm glad I have mine spread out. Back to back, the same time, just... The amount of diapers you go through is insane. Oh, yeah. You, yeah, that's definitely a team effort. Oh, I remember, so... I mean, they basically would wear my wife out all day long, <laughs> and then I would get home, and you literally feed one, change diapers, swaddle, feed the other one, and like an hour later, you're done. I mean, I wouldn't sleep at night. I mean, I'd work all day, wouldn't sleep at night. I mean, luckily he's got the money where he can get the help, obviously. <laughs> but uh, he has no idea the amount of work. It's going to change his life. Uh, going from zero kids to two? Oh, yeah. Yeah, fast track right there. That uh, <laughs> That is going to be a, a, a serious change for him, but I know he's happy and to have kids in his life and the camaraderie that you talked about between the kids and as they grow up, I mean, I wish, I wish I had a twin uh, as as a as a individual, you know, growing up, you know, that would have been that would have been so cool. So I know he's gonna have fun with it. I know his kids are gonna have fun with it. He's a great he's a great person. I know he's gonna be a great dad. Can you imagine you playing short and your twin playing second? Well, I would have been in the outfield. He, he probably <laughs> would have had more success in the infield than me. They moved me out there quick, but that. That right there would have been awesome. Or just playing left field, center field, you know, that tandem, being able to have that conversation. There's a lot of brothers. Have, I don't know. Has there ever been twin big leaguers? The Consecos. The Consecos. Yeah, Ozzy Canseco played with Jose. There you go. Here in Oakland. See, now that is amazing. That That is amazing. Two guys making the big leagues. That Yeah. I mean, it's I mean, so hard to make the big, big leagues. I heard of brothers, but twin brothers, just like you talked about, that would be incredible. Yeah, we got to. I, I know the Consecos. I, I wonder if we could find Commander Cody, get on Google and find <laughs> us some twins. 
Coming up, we're going to talk to Steve Sparks, the old knuckleballer who does radio for the Houston Astros. And we need to talk about the draft with Coco. That's all coming up right here on A's Cast Live. Want to give back to the community along with some of your favorite A's players and front office staff? Through the A's volunteer team, fans can join us in giving back to Oakland and the East Bay. Through your time and energy, fans can earn rewards based on the number of hours spent volunteering. To get started, visit athletics.com community. That's athletics.com community. Now is the time to secure your own terrace table with seating for two or four people to eat, drink, and cheer the A's right from these amazing new half-moon tables. With awesome in-seat ordering and exclusive discounts, this might be the best seat in the house. So grab your friends, family, or coworkers and come out early for a great day at the ballpark. To learn more about the terrace and some of the other exciting new ballpark locations, visit athletics.com premium today. If you're a baseball fan and a parent, you've probably had to explain to your kid that a 2-2 count isn't something a ballerina wears. As a parent or even a sibling, you may have also had to explain that a makeup game doesn't involve lipstick or mascara. But as a parent and an A's fan, we do hope you know about our new A's stomping ground. This awesome space is open and waiting for you. From awesome new games for kids to interactive activities, the A's Stomping Ground is right for you and your family. So the next time the kids want to know what a sandwich pick is or who got that 2-2 pitch, you will know it's time to go to a ball game and visit the A's Stomping Ground, a free area in right field for kids and families. Visit athletics.com slash stomping ground to learn today. That's athletics.com slash stomping ground. Want to take home half of the 50-50 pot? This season, you'll have even more opportunities to test out your luck. The Oakland A's Community Fund will host a 50-50 raffle at every home game in 2019. Tickets are sold from gates opening through the last out of the sixth inning, from raffle sellers, or at the kiosk at Section 217. The winner will be announced in-game and will receive 50% of the jackpot, with the remainder benefiting the Oakland A's Community Fund. Learn more at athletics.com raffle. From sweet plans to single-game suites, there's nothing like premium hospitality and athletics baseball. New for the 2019 season, food and beverages are now included in all suites plus options to create a three-game suite plan. Plus, select plans also include an A's Access membership, allowing you to attend every regular season home game. To learn more about A's suites, visit athletics.com suites. That's athletics.com suites. Now back to A's Cast Live, broadcasting from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. We're just not broadcasting from the town. We're broadcasting from the field. And we got Coco with us today. And, you know, when I think about the draft, which is going to happen on Monday, this is a lifeblood for a lot of organizations. And we've been really going over the 2009 draft because Farhan Zaidi, the former assistant general manager and Billy, one of Billy Bean's right-hand guys, they talked about, he recently talked about going to see Trout out at Millville High School in New Jersey and how they saw Trout. And I guess Trout 
had the worst two games of his high school, and uh, they passed on him. So did 21 other teams passed on Mike Trout. Isn't that incredible? Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, it's it's time and place, timing with a lot of things, and obviously you know Mike Trout now and how he's the best player in baseball, and you would assume that everybody would have been biting at the bit to get a piece of Mike Trout. But, you know, when you're going out there looking at players and you go out there, maybe they're having a bad series, a bad game, bad couple of games, and it kind of changes the perspective a little bit. So when you talk about uh, players and in the draft, the main thing to do as a young player is, is hustle. You know, the one thing that you have control over, you show that energy, that love for the game, that hustle, and that right there, keep those eyes on you for a long time. And I'm sure Mike Trout, he hustles now. I'm sure back then he hustled as well. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to believe that the A's took Grant Green <laughs> over Mike Trout. You're like, oh, my God. And to think about when they saw Mike Trout, he was 17 years old. Mm. He was in the big leagues two years later. He was in the big leagues at 19 years old. Right, yeah, he had a quick path. Uh, you, I remember uh, when I was playing and just hearing about Mike Trout and him possibly coming up and all the things that they talked about. He was good at power, speed, his base running ability, his defense, his arm. And you just wonder, like, is this guy really that good that they're talking about? And we got a chance to play against the Angels when he first got called up. And as soon as he st stepped on the field, instantly you knew that he was going to be one of the greatest ball players of all time. He, I mean, he was a massive guy. He could hit for power. And a guy that size running with 4-2-40 speed, maybe better. I don't know. This is just me throwing it out there. 6-2-7 speed. And it, and it's just like, wow, this guy is going to be a stud for a long time. So you knew right out of the gate? Right out the gate after his first at bat. Even if, as soon as you saw him, he ground out. He's running down to first base. I mean, you're like, you're standing in the outfield. You're like, wow, wow. And that's just him getting out, running to first base. If you get that wow factor from a player, as soon as you see him and you're just, and he got out, you know that he's going to be an amazing ball player. And I, I, I think one of the things people don't realize about him, too, is just how thick he is. It's, it's, it's like he's, he's more built like a strong safety than he is a baseball player. Yeah, he has a football, uh, a boxer's neck. You know, they, they go through all those, <laughs> those strengthening up their necks. So, you know, they get hit on the, on the chin, they can take it. But if you look at the way he's built, like you talked about, he has a thick neck. I mean, he's like a, I mean, he's built like a, a pickup truck and has speed like a race car. And there's certain guys, you know, it's like Cody Bellinger right now. It's like Cody Bellinger is finding himself, and Cody Bellinger is looking to be the first guy, and I think it's only happened one time in baseball, to lead the league in home runs and outfield assist. Hmm. It was Willie Mays did it back in 1955. Bellinger is on pace right now. If he can pass Yelich, he's leading the world in assist. But if he can lead the league in home runs, you're doing something that, only Willie Mays, the great Willie Mays. I mean, you know as an outfielder. My God, that's incredible. All the great outfielders in the game. Obviously, there's just one with Willie Mays, and to be in that kind of company or just be talked about in the same sentence as Willie Mays is pretty amazing. I mean, he's came into his own, Bellinger. He's hit for power. He had to figure out himself a little bit, and that goes through every curve where the pitchers figure you out, and then you have to readjust, and he's done a great job with that. But five tool players, they, they show up day in and day out. Yeah, and the fact that, oh, hey, we'll play him at first base one day, and we're we'll <laughs> playing the outfield. And finally, they said, hey, we got to keep this kid healthy, so we're going to have him in outfield. And I, I heard this statistic, and I can't remember. It's like four-seam fastballs 
He was striking out like 20-something, 3% of the time against four-seam fastballs, and he's now got that to single digits. It's like, as you talked about, he made the adjustment. So he's got more on the plate. He's he's opened his stance, and he's just daring you right now. Come on, bring, bring it in. And he's reduced his strikeout rate. And I think that's what we're talking about, the real great players right now. There are still going to be guys who are swinging out of their you-know-what, mm-hmm. and it's either going to be a home run or a strikeout, right? Right. But the guys in the really good teams, like the Minnesota Twins right now, we look at four, three of the last four World Series champs were in the top five of striking out the least. So still, I had that stat for you the other day mm-hmm. with the Twins right now leading the league in home run and third fewest strikeouts. Mm-hmm. There's something about – making contact again and quality contact and Bellinger's one of those guys that doing that he's hitting for power and he's making contact right I think one of the biggest things as a young player is when you're coming up you're trying to make a mark for yourself and you're just seeing the ball hitting the ball and you don't really have a approach yet some guys some guys come up with an approach but the main thing with a lot of young guys after they try to after success and the pitchers figure you out is to reevaluate reevaluate your approach and the thing about it is you have to know what your strengths and weaknesses are, stay away from your weaknesses where the pitcher is going to try to attack you in their strengths, and really dial in onto your strength. If it's an inside fastball, you look into that zone up until two strikes, step out the box, and then go over the things that he might do to get you out at that point. But you don't give in. And I see a lot of the young guys that are having success are really taking those pitches away if they're not looking for it early in the count and attacking the ball mistake pitches early in the count if it's in their cookie zone and that's when you start to grow there is so much information out there for players now and i think of you know if you go back to the Moneyball days and i I recently had a conversation we do the uh the gm report with david forrest here on ace cast and we had him yesterday on ace cast live and we went back to the Moneyball days and i said okay back in the Moneyball days the analytics were basically math equations you took this, times it by that, divided by that, you know, whatever they were, and you get this number and this tells you. Well, now, StatCast is science. It's radar. It's TrackMan. It's all this stuff. And I think about all the video. Like, you can take who our Peacock's going today for, for the Houston Astros, and you can look up every single curveball he has thrown this year, and you can do it within seconds. I mean, the kind of technology that we have video-wise on all the players is really insane. Right, and, and the thing about that is it's a double-edged sword, double-edged sword type of thing where you have all this information and now it gives you the opportunity to really study and learn a player as a hitter. You're facing a pitcher, now you know everything about him, what he likes to do against you, what he likes to do with similar players, uh, what's his strikeout pitch. But at the same time, now you're going up to the plate with all this information and you start thinking too much instead of simplifying it to a point where it's just see ball, hit ball in your zone. And you have to be able to nowadays register all that information, pick and choose throughout the stuff that you really don't need and keep the stuff that you need and put it into situations. So with stat, with the stat cast and that you see on TV and people running, you know, 30 feet to make a ball at certain miles per hour, you know, those are things where, you, you know, you just, hey, I'm not even going to worry about that. Let me just go make a play. But then the things that you go inside the clubhouse, stay in there with Adam and you tell him, hey, let me see, um, say, base stealing, for instance. Let me see uh, the pitcher's pickoff moves in this count. So those type of things, you got to make sure that you don't over, overthink it. This day and age, you have all that information, but you don't want to just be information, information. You still want to be able to react to some things. Since Girardi's not in New York anymore, I can now really bring this up. So Ray, <laughs> Ray Fossey 
you know, the catchers get together, and he actually showed Fossey the binder that he had in the dugout. It was like a – it, it was so thick. It was unbelievable. And it's so funny to hear you say it's like you have all of this information, and in the end, it's still see ball, hit ball. It is. I mean, you have to simplify the game. You know, you definitely have to simplify, catch the ball, throw the ball, see the ball, hit the ball. You know, the, the essentials of, of what makes a ball player successful, you know, just playing catch. Um, but, yeah, the, back in the day before we had the iPads in the, in the dugout and uh, different, different little tech, technical things that, that help us out nowadays, you talk about uh, the big binder. You know, Kurt Schilling was a guy that kept stats on every at-bat. He'll come in from the dugout and write down everything that happened uh, during that at-bat so he can go back the next time through the lineup and be successful if things have changed. And I got that from him to where I would do that same thing with, with, the, with the pitchers uh, trying to steal bases off of them. But nowadays, you can sit down there with an the iPad and, and look all that stuff up as well. So I think nowadays it's pretty cool. You know, you don't have to uh, do all the work yourself, but it definitely is a lot on your plate that you have to think about more. I, I, I say this all the time when I'm doing Raiders pre and post game. It's still blocking. It's still tackling. <laughs> you can give me all this stuff. You still have to go out there and knock the guy in the mouth. You say, it's still see ball, hit ball. It's still blocking and tackling in football. It's still the same in the end. Coming up next, former A Steve Sparks going to join us as he now does the radio for the Astros. He'll be joining us right here on A's Cast Live. The future is bright in Oakland and the East Bay. 15,000 local youth baseball and softball players are participating in the Future A's program, presented by Kaiser Permanente. The club's new initiative provides complimentary jerseys and hats to local youth baseball and softball leagues. Teams also receive additional benefits and support, including development clinics, tickets to A's games, and more. Visit athletics.com future for more information. Looking to understand what makes the A's tick? With weekly shows with manager Bob Melvin and general manager David Forst, now you get the inside scoop into the green and gold. Download A's cast today or head to athletics.com slash podcast to get started. Who doesn't love a good happy hour? The Cornerstone gives your group a unique happy hour experience. The area treats up to 40 to 50 guests with a package that includes food and beverage along with an intimate pregame experience. Plus, the experience comes with an awesome seating option that we can build to fit your needs. To learn more about the Cornerstone and other unique group experiences, visit athletics.com slash groups. Athletics.com slash groups. Want to add to your collection of A's memorabilia but can't make it to the Coliseum? During every weekend home series, the Oakland A's Community Fund will hold a digital silent auction through the MLB Ballpark app. You can bid on rare memorabilia items, including baseballs, jerseys, bats, game-used equipment, and autographed items. Proceeds from the silent auction benefit the Oakland A's Community Fund and its initiatives in the community. Download the app at athletics.com slash ballpark app. Playing in Hero Town? It's only fitting to get your group together to reserve the Budweiser Hero Deck. Located next to the right field foul pole, this awesome new space can hold around 100 people and a bunch of home run balls. With an all-inclusive buffet, now is the time to be the hero of your friends and colleagues by grabbing tickets and a cold one for a great day at the ballpark. For more information about the Budweiser Hero Deck, visit athletics.com slash premium today. 
Looking to take A's cast on the road with you on your next jog or road trip? Head over to athletics.com slash podcasts and you can download episodes of Taking Effect, Green and Gold History, A Season on the Road, and more. Visit athletics.com slash podcasts today. It's time to grab your reserved space in the popular Connie Mack Club. The club space gives your group a private area located in Shibe Park Tavern for the entire ball game. The Connie Mack Club features access to outdoor seating and includes a pre-game buffet filled with our highest-end food package. This area of the ballpark is perfect for 30 to 50 guests to kick back, relax, and enjoy the game. For more information about the Connie Mack Club and other group offers, visit athletics.com groups. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. and Mike Fires has thrown his second no-hitter. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back! Goal for Yelich! Tony Bellinger hits one out. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From the opener to launch angles to clutch moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Coco, how tough was it to hit a knuckleball? Oh, it was probably the toughest pitch for me to face. I didn't know whether to hit lefty or righty against it. <laughs> you know, a lot of switch hitters go righty. You know, if it's a right-handed pitcher, they don't want to mess up their left-handed swing, so they go righty. The only thing Interesting. was, they throw that curveball up there, and then my knees are buckling. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Sparks, former athletic, now does radio for the Houston Astros, joins us here from Oklahoma. I love it. You got the OU sweatshirt yeah, on. And my, my youngest daughter, she's my last one in college. She's at, she's at OU right now. She's got two years left, and uh, then it's a pay raise for me and my wife. Nice. Yeah, I've been there a couple times to do some football games there. Absolutely beautiful Norman, Oklahoma. And the college is all brick, and everybody at the football. It's and yeah. And uh, unfortunately, Kyler Murray is not with us. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny. When he when he was drafted, and they brought him here, Boris and his whole camp brought yeah, him here. I remember that. And I got a chance to do the interview with him. You know, at that point, Kyler Murray was not the starting quarterback of Oklahoma. He was going into a quarterback battle. So he didn't even know he was going to be the starter, let alone he was going to be the Heisman Trophy, let alone the first-ever quarterback drafted number one at yeah, 5'10". No one had the, a clue. He was the talk of the universe, man. He was. A, I got to go to a couple of games this year. Uh, hanging out with my daughter at those games, and he was just the best player on the field. And uh, to come out of nowhere, I, I, I wouldn't say come out of nowhere, but I think a lot of people understood the talent level that he had, but whether or not it was going to translate to the collegiate level, especially on that stage, uh, he rose, and, and it was awesome to watch. I'm kind of sad because I really wanted to see what kind of athlete he could have been for our game, playing center field. Still might see it. With that kind of power. Right. Yeah, still might see it. You know, you, you never know. I mean, the course of, of a NFL career is usually, you know, not nearly as long as a Major League Baseball player, a professional baseball player. And uh, who knows, maybe he has a change of heart down the line. And uh, I would love to watch him play baseball too. When did you start throwing the knuckleball? You know, it was six years into my minor league career. I was a conventional pitcher coming out of college. And uh, I was with the Milwaukee Brewers at the time. And uh, they just felt like, you know what, you're going to have to – Maybe take a different route. I don't, we don't think that you're going to get to the big leagues with your other stuff. So I'd never thrown one before. So they gave me a three-year plan, and I started with 30% the first year, then 50%, then 30 or 70%. And then by the end of that, I, w- I was knocking at the door at the major leagues. 
What was one of the toughest things as a knuckleball pitcher? What was the one of the toughest things for you to, to try to figure out with that pitch? Here's, here's the toughest thing. And when, I, when I'm talking about throwing at 30% and 50%, the toughest thing was going back and forth from the other pitches. So when I totally committed to it and I started throwing it close to 100% uh, in tough situations and things like that, but the th one thing I had to learn, excuse me, is that uh, my fastball, I didn't want to throw as hard as I could because I could still throw in the upper 80s with my fastball, but it took me out of my knuckleball mechanics. So I dialed it down to about 80 miles per hour, kept everything more uniform, and I had better command of my knuckleball. That is interesting. It is. You know, you see a lot of guys are saying, look at that guy's fastball. He's throwing 78 miles <laughs> per hour. And it's for a reason. You know, you learn you got to dial it down to, to keep uh, the, the proper mechanics for that pitch. So if you aired it out, it'd mess up your knuckleball. It would mess up your knuckleball. The other thing is if you aired it out, you would come out of those knuckleball mechanics and you would tip off the hitter. So he, he would, you know, automatically uh, be alerted that you're going to throw a, another pitch. So if you kept everything more uniform, you usually have better success. What was it like when you had it going? What You know what it was? I mean, be honest with you, I mean, this sounds cocky. But when you had it going, you knew nobody was going to really <laughs> square you up unless they got lucky. You know, but most of the guys that really had success against me were the guys with kind of a long pole, kind of a long swing, the backup catchers, things like that. I can look at the, the prototypical type of hitter. You know, the Astros, when I first started this gig on the radio in 2013, they were still facing R.A. Dickey uh, and, and guys like that, and they would have me come throw knuckleballs to them. And I could come up and tell my partner, hey, this dude's going to this dude's gonna rake today. And sure enough, he'd hit a couple of doubles and a home run because he had that long kind of uppercut softball swing, and that's usually what matched up well against a knuckleball. It's why Bob Melvin likes to throw BP because he, 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 he sees who's going good, who's really? not going yeah. yeah. Bob's one of the – not a lot of managers throw BP, but Bob throws it every single day. He's a sharp man. He wants to know how his hitters are going. Uh, the knuckleball, how big is it? that you have a catcher that understands it, can catch it? Because some catchers, they're a zoo back there with the, with the knuckleball. Yeah, you know what? I mean, a lot of times, here's all I would tell guys is let the ball come to you. If you reach out for it, a lot of the movement comes really late, and you don't want to reach for it and have it clank off the, the glove. And, you know, it's big anyway. So if you're just relaxed, let the ball come to you. You can just kind of be athletic back there like an infielder and just pick it. So we got a big series coming up here and starting right. tonight. And this is one of those series where either A's can close in or the Astros can get some separation. And the one thing I think about your guys' club right now is so many great players that are on the injury list. That, that could possibly help the A's in this series. There's no doubt about that. But the Astros pride themselves on their depth. And they're calling on a lot of guys in AAA to kind of make up the difference. But where this team is really strong right now and they've been consistent is their starting pitching. And I think the Astros' best three pitchers are pitching in this series. So for them, that gives them some hope with Peacock, who's only given up one run in his last four starts total. And then you got Verlander and Cole. So they're hoping to win one or two of these games just on, on the virtue of those guys who are pitching. Well, I go ahead. Yeah, I know when you have a lot of injuries, especially to your key, yeah. key offensive players, it's tough to have those guys come up and, and implement themselves and, and try to be a key part as well. What, do you, what feeling do you get from the clubhouse that helps these guys transition from maybe being a backup player right. or coming up from the minor leagues? What, what are they doing over there to help them out? Well, Coco, you know how important spring training is for these guys to feel comfortable. And I think A.J. Hench, as soon as he took over the, the helm with this Astros team in 2015, he wanted to make sure that the veteran guys were going to let the younger players be themselves and have a voice. 
because he recognized how much talent was coming up for, with the Springers and the, the Correas and all those guys. He wanted them to be themselves so they could reach their full potential as early as possible. So I think the culture in the clubhouse, and you've been in enough clubhouses to realize when guys aren't getting knocked down, they feel like they're part of the team more early. And, and I think that's where the Fishers and, and the Mayfields and the Straws and the Stubbs and those guys can feel more comfortable coming into a situation and feel like they can come and be themselves like they have in spring training the last couple of years. It's, it's a different dynamic now in this game than it was when we played where you had no the rookie doubt. hazing and yeah. you didn't want them to feel comfortable. They had be to quiet. earn it. Yeah. Be quiet. Exactly. You know, be quiet and listen. And, and you know, you, you got to earn your stripes and things like that now. There's a right way to do things, and, and I know for a fact that there's veterans in there. If guys aren't doing their preparation uh, the way they feel like they should be, they're going to get called out. Mm. But that's what you would expect from a veteran player. But if you go out there and you prepare and you work hard and you're respectful, uh, be yourself. And, and I think that helps the, the entire culture of the clubhouse. How is it possible that they take players from other organizations, let's just say Verlander or Cole, yeah. they bring them in, and they make them better. How do they do that? Analytics, you know, and those meetings, those initial meetings are crucial. So you bring in a Charlie Morton or a Garrett Cole, and those initial meetings you're saying, okay, Garrett Cole, for instance, he was a two-seam fastball, so a sinker-slider type pitcher. And they would say, here's the numbers we have on your two-seam fastball, and this is where we feel like you're getting hurt. But if you, you threw a four-seam fastball, we feel like you'd gain a couple miles per hour, maybe three or four, and throw to quadrants and, and just kind of air it out instead of trying to be specific and, and trying to be too cute or try to get a guy out in three pitches, things like that, you know, where you're trying to put the ball in play. The Astros would rather take the risk out of it. They want to punch you out. They want to strike you out and take the risk out of, you know, defensive positioning, uh, making an error, all those things, because they got burned in 2015 in the playoffs because they couldn't strike anybody out against the Royals. They just kept putting it in play, putting it in play, and sooner sooner or later they just got, they got bled to death in that series. So, he said, we want strikeouts. So they, they bring Cole in. They show him the numbers. He said, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So whenever somebody else comes in, you go to Garrett Cole. And, you know, Charlie Morton was before Garrett Cole, and they were teammates with Pittsburgh. Charlie tells Garrett. Garrett says, okay, I'm open. I'll listen. Here's what, here's what we see. He buys in. And then when there's buy-in, you get some credibility out of, out of your front office and the analytics team, and guys are, are looking for ways to get better. You, you play better, you get paid more. Well, one guy that we've talked about already, and one of the reasons why uh, I don't see any jewelry on my fingers is uh, Verlander. Right. As Verlander got the A's in 12 and in 13, and thinking of him at 35, and still you could say right now he's the front runner for the Cy Young Award. Yep. How does he continue to do it? He's just hungry to get better. I mean, he's not complacent. He continues to push uh, that analytics team to help him find ways to get better, and I watch every single one of his bullpen sessions in spring training and watch him work, you know, he'll throw a pitch and every third pitch he'll look at this this uh, iPad and he'll look and see where his fingers are on the ball. And if he's at one o'clock with the, those fingers, he's looking for ways to get it more at 12 o'clock so he gets a better ride on that, that four seam fastball. And he's not getting worse, man, he, he's getting better. <laughs> he, and you mentioned he's in his mid thirties and there's, you know, he says this is a round number. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking I'm pitching till 45. So there's no quit in him and he wants to be one of the best ever. Maybe the only guy that gets to 300 wins. But I, I, I want to end on this. Yep. As a former player, what advice do you have for Coco for broadcasting? Wow. Um, <laughs> you know what? I think so I have to – I they told me three days before I started my radio gig, by the way, you're doing three innings of play-by-play -play as well. 
And can you imagine Coco thinking about doing play-by-play? -play? Mm. You, you never even thought it. So that was the toughest thing for me is to slow the game down and having enough conversations with coaches and players to be able to give a story and, and, and write down some things before the ball game to, to bring stories because that's what the fans want to hear. They want to be entertained, whether or not it's something personal to you. But if you hear a story, uh, you know, just about anything uh, unrelated to this game right now that you can bring to the broadcast, I think those are the things that the fans love. That's awesome. I yeah. appreciate that. Yeah, you got it. Great stuff. Guys, it's great to join you. I mean, this is one of my most special times, most fun I ever had playing baseball was in the playoffs with the A's in 03. So every time I come here, and I was even talking to Robbie Grossman a little earlier, do you have a different perspective of, of playing for the A's as opposed to when you're a visitor here? Because that was the biggest shock to me. As a visitor, I hated coming here. But as a player that played for Oakland, you really started to appreciate the fans and even the feel of this ballpark because it's a, it's a good winning tradition here. Great stuff. We appreciate yeah. it. Take care. Have man. a good call and enjoy yep. the series. Enjoy it, guys. Good stuff. There you go, Coco. You're doing play-by-play -play tonight, three innings. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a work in progress to get there. But like, like, like Spark talked about, the, the thought process of being a visiting player and a home player, being here in front of these fans, it's almost like no other place in baseball. It is very special. Yeah, I mean, it, it, there is no place like this in baseball. And I think that, you know, we learned – in that series in 2012, as the Detroit Tigers are like, even though they won in five, their players, their players were six. No, I'm talking about 2012. Their players said it was the loudest they had ever heard a stadium. Oh, they're they're so involved, like having Red here yeah. and, and Cespi, They're so involved, and it's it's nice to have that energy. It gives you energy as a player as well. And you know, there was. It, it, and I remember you guys came out, and, and you know, they, it was over in five, but you guys were still <laughs> applauding it. It was uh, absolutely, it was insane. Liam Hendricks joins us here on A's Cast Live. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. How about you guys? We survived last night. The, we did the, the we gala. Yeah, I, I won a couple of items, so we're good. Did you really? Yeah, I bit. I, Apparently, according to my wife, I'm a bit of a hoarder when it comes to silent auctions. So <laughs> I put my name on a couple of things. I didn't put my email or a phone number down just in case. There's some crazies around. You never know. Do you want to share what you got? Yeah, so I, uh, I got two signed, like, miniature San Francisco 49er helmets. Yeah? Don't know who they are, but I got a buddy who's a huge Niners fan, so I did that for him. Uh, and then I got a escape room night for my wife and I. Big fans of the escape room. It's awesome. I mean, you gotta you gotta pick who you go with. I've been with some players before, and that's the only time we haven't got out. So you gotta pick your favorite, pick your pick your people, and we uh, we need some smarter ones. Yeah, the one last night that I thought you know is is a great is the Chicago trip because the A's are gonna be in Chicago for a week, so you get to play the Cubs, you get to play White Sox, you get to travel on this trip, and uh, and because you can only you only do it in four places: San Francisco, the Bay Area, L.A. Chicago or New York, and that's getting, that was a trip that was up for auction, which is going to be it's going to be a fabulous trip. Yeah, I'm excited for that because uh, I've never been to Wrigley yet. So every time we go there, I tend to either be hurt or just not around. So I'm excited to go to Wrigley for the first time. I'm excited to jump into the Ivy because that's probably what I'm going to do. And we got an off day in Chicago in the middle, so we got three off day three. So it'll be good. We get a chance to walk around the city. I love museums, so uh, Chicago is great for that. They got a uh, a bunch of stuff to do around the city, which is always cool. And my parents and stuff are coming over as well, which will always be nice. Yeah, I, I, I think about those old stadiums because we don't have a lot of them anymore, right? And the old Yankee Stadium, we still get it with Fenway Park. You're going to get it with Wrigley Field is when you go there, you think all of the greats that played in the National League, 
they all played in this stadium. Yeah, it's it's, it's pretty cool. Like uh, going to Fenway, uh, you go into the Green Monster, you sign your name on the wall, and uh, it's a pretty cool feeling. So I've got that done. Uh, in the visitors' bullpen, there's actually a little framed plaque in there that's the uh, the last to wear number 42, which is Mariano Rivera. So it's uh, that's a cool little thing. He signed it. They framed it up in the bullpen. It's just a it's a little cool piece of history that you don't see in many places. Yeah, the history there. And and, and if you're a foodie, that's the other thing about Chicago. What I always say about Chicago is is that it's a huge town. But it's like Midwest values. The people are really nice in this huge town. Obviously, your, your wife from the Midwest. And that's the one great thing about you. You go into Chicago, and everybody's great, and the food's phenomenal. Yeah, the food's great. I'm a big fan of deep dish pizza, so I love going to Chicago. They've got a great array of steakhouses around the city. And my personal favorite right now is RPM Italian. So it's uh, they've got an RPM steakhouse and an Italian. And pretty much every time we go, we go to RPM Italian. It's just my wife and I, it's our restaurant we go to every time we go to Chicago. Tell me what you think about the opener. Some people love it. Some people don't. Obviously, you're someone who's now been doing it for two years. Yeah, I didn't like my last one, uh, but that's just because I gave up two runs. That's uh, <laughs> It kind of defeats the purpose. Obviously, the point of an opener is to go out there. You're facing the top three or four hitters, and the starter or the length, the longer guy comes in after that, and he doesn't have to face the top four guys until for the third time until later on. So it just kind of extends the outing a little bit. But um, it only works if the opener's on that day, and unfortunately the last time I wasn't, and I faced the first seven guys, and all of a sudden it defeats the purpose. But um, I don't mind the fact that I like the reasoning behind it. The reasoning behind it is obviously you get your starters in deeper into games, but at the end of the day you throw the first inning, then you've got a starter who throws five, that all of a sudden that's six, and then you start thinking about the bullpen anyway. So, I mean, the reasoning behind it's good, but the practicality of it, I don't know how it's going to last long term, and um, it all depends on how the healthier relievers are as well. How big is it for you is that you have been a starter, so you do know what it's like to start a game? Yeah, I mean, I think it definitely plays into it. Uh, obviously, for me, uh, it's just I'm relieving the first inning, and that's what it means. Um, I don't take a different approach. I go out with the team. I, I play catch. I stretch at the normal time, and it just means I get on a mound just before the game instead of in the sixth, seventh, or whatever I'm pitching. So um, I don't think, like, starting a little bit has to do with it just because I think it's a comfort level. Like, I've done it before, so I know what I'm doing, but I don't think it comes into comes into the effect as much as you think. I talked to David Force, the general manager, yesterday, and I said, hey, with the way that you're pitching, you know, take out the opener. Are you now going to be pitching later in games, like a bridge guy to get to Trevino and then trying it? And he said, yeah, I, I see that happening. And he talked about, you know, the tick up on your fastball. Talk about what you've done to get that fastball a little bit, uh, a, a little more velo going. Yeah, I mean, realistically, I didn't do that much. I mean, I just uh, – I. When I went down to AAA last year, I came. I went down there and I was like, look, if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out how I want to do it. I'm not going to kind of listen to anybody. I'm going to do what I've done in the past that's made me successful. And, um, yeah, it's just it's long tossing every day. I throw the exact same amount every day, no matter what, if I've thrown two innings the day before, if I've thrown an inning, if I've thrown three innings. Every day I long toss regardless of anything. And that's just, I think, for me, it's something that helps build arm strength. Some guys get arm strength from throwing bullpens. Some guys get arm strength from not using their arm as much. For me, it's using it as much as I can and throwing it as hard, as far and as hard as I can. You know, Coco, who was just here, he had to go back up to the press box. We were talking about how there's so much information that they have for you guys. There's so much. But Coco said, some, you know, for him, see ball, hit ball. I like what you just said there. You know what? If I'm, if I'm going down, <laughs> I'm going down doing it my way. Sometimes you just have to say, hey, leave me alone and let me do what I need to do. Yes, yeah, so like um – Every organization has their own views on the way they do things. And that, I'm not saying a, any organization is wrong or any organization is right. It's just every player is different. 
like Ryan Madsen and John Action, they didn't like to throw that much. That was their thing. They didn't throw very much. They do it every now and then, but they're more the guys who just kind of like roll it over, roll it over, and then game time comes and they're throwing 100. For me, it's I need to throw more. And it's just every guy's different. Every guy does their shoulder stuff different. Like, uh, obviously, there's been guys that have gone down by doing certain teams' shoulder rec- uh, exercise and all that. And some people just, their body can't handle that much exertion. And some people, it's just, that's what makes them feel better. And for me, I like throwing as much as I can, and it just helps me feel better. You know, one thing that I think of with, like, Trevor Bauer, and you're seeing him, he plays the, I would say, the furthest long toss I've ever seen for a start. It's like he's going foul pole to foul pole. So, obviously, he's got his ways to go about it, and every organization that you've been in is probably different. Yeah, without a doubt. Like, I've been lucky in the fact that uh, there's been guys in the teams that I've that have been, that I've allowed to be, like, do it. I mean, uh, like here, I'm now playing catch with Joaquin Sari, who goes long every day. Uh, in Toronto, it was uh, Mark Lowe who went long every day. And it's just, you get those guys that go long every day, and it uh, it you need the partner. I was, like earlier in the year, I was wearing out our bullpen catches. They were, <laughs> we had a couple cutoffs in the middle. I mean, I mean, they, they had to ice their shoulders after playing catch with me, which I felt bad about. But at the same time, I need I need to get ready for this game. So it's like you like it's like you need to have the the jugs out there and shoot it to you and you throw it back. Oh yeah, we had a uh, there was one time I think it was I think it was Pittsburgh actually that uh, uh, <laughs> Padrique came out and was actually hitting fungos to me and I was throwing it back to him. So yeah, I mean. It, you got to do whatever you can do to get it out. You know, one thing that I have so much respect for you is the fact that you and your wife have said, you know what, we're going to use this platform to help people and also to help pets as you've teamed up with Tony LaRussa and Arf. Just talk about all the different things. A lot of people do just one thing. You and your wife have multiple causes. Yeah, we're not afraid of spreading ourselves a little too thin. So um, right now we're doing, we've, we obviously do a lot with animals. We've got, uh, I have to count now, we've got seven. So we've got seven animals ourselves. We've got five cats and two dogs. Um, four of the cats are with my mother-in-law in Florida. They, can't, they don't travel with us, but uh, we've got two dogs and the cat with us here in Oakland. Uh, yeah, but we do a lot with, um, there's an organization out of Chicago, which is called uh, Players for Pits, which I've been on the board for that since 2014. So I speak at their gala every year, and it's a cool experience. Like when we actually go to Chicago, um, we're heading out on one of the days there to see their new facility that they're breaking ground on so that they can actually take care of pit bulls and they can do it all themselves without having to outsource and make sure that they've got a vet in line and everything like this. They're actually going to have the facilities themselves. So that's pretty cool. Out of Houston, which we're playing these guys right now, but out of Houston we've got Mission Canine who deals with ex-military and police canines and they're trying to retrain, rehabilitate, and rehome these police dogs into civilian life. So they've worked their entire lives. Now they get to retire and, uh, and ride off into the sunset. So they're, they're working on retraining dogs so they can go into like, just civilian lifestyle. And then talk about the, the, I believe, backpacks for kids. It's, it's, it's the, it, it, you make sure that kids, when they go home on the weekend, make sure that they have food. Yeah, it's called No Kids Hungry. Uh, Blessings in a Backpack is, uh, is a sub of that. And it's, um, yeah, so, you know, obviously in schools out here, you go to school, some kids have the supplied meals that you get at school. Like some kids bring, this, bring their meals from home. Some kids just have them at, the, uh, at school and when they go home, sometimes they don't have the access to the healthy foods or the, the correct foods or enough food to be able to survive. Just be able to, like, work and make sure that they're, uh, they're growing in the right way. So this company, Blessings in a Backpack and No Kid Hungry, they send backpacks home with the kids full of food. They've got meals for the weekend. They've got snacks. They've got everything they need. So it can take a little bit of stress off the parents and a lot of stress off the kids as well so the parents can go out there and just do what they need to do to be able to, like, supply for their family and themselves. Yeah, I know. My wife is a teacher, and it's just it, 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 it just 
hurts the heart so much when you know when a kid's going home on the weekend and there's not much there for them and there's not much that the, the teachers can do. So what you're doing is phenomenal. And, of course, tomorrow night is going to be a big night here. We're expecting a big crowd. It's Pride Night tomorrow night. Yeah, pretty excited about Pride Night. So every, uh, every year I kind of try and take the mantle, take the reins with Pride Night and do what I can to uh, kind of promote it a little bit. We've got the, um, yeah, so it's a great night out there. Like uh, My wife and I have been really passionate about LGBTQ rights for a long time. And it's just something that we have just always gravitated towards. We have, my wife has uh, uncles that are gay, and it's just, it's part of the family. They've got actually the longest marriage in the family. So it's like, <laughs> I mean, I love it. I love the experience. I love guys coming out there. They've always got the best dance moves for whatever reason. I mean, there's always the same guy. Every year I've been here, there's the same guy dancing on camera, and I absolutely love it. It's fantastic. <laughs> I have a good friend who's gay, and he's using my tickets tomorrow night. So yeah. I, 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 it is, it is, uh, it's always a special night here in the Bay Area. Whether they're doing it in Oakland or they're doing it in San Francisco, it's always a great celebration. And it's always a great crowd, too. And, of course, you got got a damn good ball club over there against the Houston Astros. Yeah, it's always a great night. It's a fun night. We get a really good crowd for it, which is awesome. And it's just it's a cool like. Oakland is really good with doing. They got a bunch of nights. They got a. They kind of cater to everybody, which is a really cool experience. So tomorrow night obviously starts off Pride Month, and uh, it's just it's. Well, I'm excited to be a part of it. That's for sure. Hey, thank you for uh, always giving us your time. You're a fabulous interview, and what you do for so many different people and animals, it, it's a wonderful thing. And it's great having you on Ace Cast Live. And uh, good luck in this series against the Astros. Uh, thank you. I appreciate it. And if I've got a, a little bit of time, I'd like to talk about one more thing. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Yeah. We're actually starting a cyberbullying campaign. Um, I don't know if uh, anybody who follows me on Instagram that see that I posted something the other day. Uh, I got a quite uh, – rude message from a fan after my opening experience uh, I it looks like it alludes to sports gambling so that was that was a fun one but uh, so I decided to post it and show the ugly side of what having social like having social media is about so I've uh, we receive a lot of hate mail and a lot of things online that uh, it's tough to deal with sometimes usually I can brush it off and and just delete it and it's out of my life but for whatever reason this one stuck with me so I decided to post it. I blasted it out. I actually used Trevor Bauer. He helped me out a well, as, with it as well, and he uh, he reposted it as well. So, I mean, it's just it's, an, it's something that we've been extremely close to because my wife was bullied as a kid. I was bullied as a kid. And then we've both dealt with some extreme cyberbullying throughout, throughout my career in baseball. Like uh, we had some wives back when I was first coming up that uh, – they uh, they wrote some really nasty things, right? Like that I should do, like that I should leave my wife, that she should go kill herself, that she should do this and that and that, and it's just it's something that we kind of really want to promote. So we're actually in talks with the A's about trying to get something moving forward with that, and obviously they've MLB's got the Shred Hate campaign. Uh, we're going to try and do uh, K bullying or something along those lines, and just trying to promote it as well because not only do kids in high school deal with it, kids in college deal with it, adults deal with it in the workplace, but we deal with it here in sports, so it's just it's not, it's our way of showing that no one is by themselves. That we're in this together, and then we can go out there and try and eradicate uh, cyberbullying. Yeah, I'm glad you're doing it because you know in my line of work, we have such access to the fans, and sometimes I mean I've had my family threatened, I've mm -hmm. had my kids threatened, and it's just you know the 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 keyboard tough guys are out there and they need to be stopped. So that's another wonderful thing you're yeah, doing. We got, well, I got a bunch of good responses, which is always good. So I mean. It's nice knowing that, that I posted it out. Obviously, it's just the, the minute like group is just the ones that are all hateful and, and just mad at home behind a keyboard. But uh, the overall vibe of it was positive, and uh, it's exciting to be able to try and get that back and see the responses that I'm getting on this, which is always nice. As my late father used to say, you're good people. 
We try. We try. I mean, obviously, there's always work to do. There's always better things we can do better, but we're trying to use this platform for as much good as we can. Appreciate the time. Good luck in the series. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Coming up next, we'll have a blast from the past right here on A's Cast Live. If you're a baseball fan and a parent, you've probably had to explain to your kid that a 2-2 count isn't something a ballerina wears. As a parent or even a sibling, you may have also had to explain that a makeup game doesn't involve lipstick or mascara. But as a parent and an A's fan, we do hope you know about our new A's stomping ground. This awesome space is open and waiting for you. From awesome new games for kids to interactive activities, the A's stomping ground is right for you and your family. So the next time the kids want to know what a sandwich pick is or who got that 2-2 pitch, you will know it's time to go to a ball game and visit the A's stomping ground, a free area in right field for kids and families. Visit athletics.com slash stomping ground to learn today. That's athletics.com slash stomping ground. Hey, kids, have you ever wanted to run the bases like your favorite A's player? Well, here's your chance. Children ages 14 and under can come onto the field following most Sunday home games and race around the bases with A's mascot Stomper there to cheer them on. Make sure to pack your running shoes so you can show off your speed. Race Around the Bases is brought to you by the Oakland A's Community Fund. Looking for the latest on the A's minor leagues? One of the latest additions to A's cast is The Farm. A look around the minor leagues with interviews, updates, and profiles on the future A's tearing up the minors. Now back to A's cast live. Broadcasting from the town, here's Chris Townsend. Well, well, well. We all remember him back in the days with the A's, but now he's left us and he's blown up. Country Fastball is the show. Robert Buon, former employee here of the Oakland Athletics. How are you, my friend? I did all this. You, you, you just keep talking, man. I mean, you started, what, 4 o'clock or something like that? <laughs> yeah. Still 7, 7.05, first pitch around here? Is that the deal? Well, after so. this, i got to run up to the treehouse right? up here. Have you okay. been to the treehouse? No, no. We, no, I don't get out very much these days. A, a lot, a lot of stuff has changed since you've been here. Yeah, yeah. You got to come out and see me. So I'll run up, uh, start doing pregame at six oh five. Oh wow, yeah. See, that, that's good. Well, it keeps you out of trouble. Well, tell us what you're doing and how we can find country fastball. Country fastball, is something we started. I was still doing the postgame shows. You, you know all this, but we started this in 2007. Tim Hudson, former A's pitcher, it's a guy I went to and said, you know what, sports talk is not really the best place to talk about players. Uh, on a positive basis all of the time. I mean, it's trade this guy, fire that guy, we suck, you suck, they suck, and th that's kind of what it is. That's what talk radio is in general. You're fixing problems. It's just not a normal platform for just talking about good stuff about people. The country music audience, and you get something that you know, and your family, you guys listen to country music, that audience, they like knowing good stuff about people. And I told Tim, like, you know, I know the radio stuff. I know the country stuff. I know the baseball stuff. I think we could do this where we can talk about guys positively, uh, you know, on a regular basis. And we've been doing it every weekend since March 2007. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, been, uh, it's been fun. Yeah, you send me the show. My kids listen to the show all the time because my kids and, as you know, my wife, 
uh, is a big country fan, and she's always following you, going, oh, my God, did you see he took pictures with this person yeah. and that person? I mean, yeah. you are actually dealing with not only the top baseball players, but you're dealing with the stars of country music. Yeah, well, I just caught up with Josh Reddick, as you did earlier. I caught up with him and uh, get to go chase down uh, Alex Bregman after this and then uh, be heading out of here because going to the Valley for a concert tomorrow with uh, with Chris Jansen and uh, Jordan Davis and Cassidy Pope. Uh, the, uh, Low Cash is going to be there. So it's, uh, yeah, kind of getting them both this weekend, to, to your point. So how do how do people find your show? Countryfastball.com, the stations that carry the show. We've got we're we're from New York to Hawaii now. We got uh, Hawaii. Yeah, how about that, huh? Uh-huh. So uh, countryfastball.com is where the the, the stations are that the, the station list and all the stations that are streaming it. So that always means that uh, you need to go to Hawaii because you've got to see the station. You're affiliate. You know what? I'm, so you I'm a good business go. partner. You know, I'll throw myself on that grenade every time. Yeah, we have an affiliate in Hawaii. And for some reason, I need to go there every couple of years. Yeah, right. There you go. Yeah, so you need to talk to him. You're a good company guy, though. So Tim Hudson, how's he doing? Uh, he's good. You know, he's uh, he's kind of turned into a, a soccer mom these days. You know, I mean, he's got kids that are you know, <laughs> high school age, and, and he's got a he's got a little baseball player in Kate, his son, and so he's co- helping coach that team. But uh, that's the thing. A lot of retired players. You talk to a lot of retired players yourself that they find themselves busier after their playing days usually than when they were playing because they're kind of catching up on the rest of their life that they missed for 5, 10, 15 years that they were doing baseball-ish things every single day for about seven and a half months. And so he's no different in that sense where a lot of his time is committed to his family and stuff that's in his community and just kind of catching up on stuff that uh, people do when they're not married to a pocket schedule for seven months of a year. Well, and I think about these guys. They're young men. Yeah. And they have – it's great that they have all this money, but they're young men and they have they, they have a whole life in front of them, and they got to figure out something to keep them going. Yep. Whether they're going to stay in baseball. If you're not going to stay in baseball, you got to find something to do. Like Barry Zito is a perfect example. I mean, he lives about two miles away from me in Nashville now, and he's – He's probably busier now that he's got, you know, he's a family guy. He's got, he's a dad. He's got, uh, he, he's, he's a songwriter now. And that's, that's basically an eight to five job. So that's, he's working, you know, Monday through Friday, like, like, you know, regular office folk do. I mean, he's, so he, He's another great example of that. People just kind of find ways to keep busy after their playing days are over. Yeah, we he was here not too long ago, and we were interviewing him. He was like, you know, to have people play my songs. Yeah. Like, and, and you're listening going, and he, he was just like, you know, I sometimes think about I was I you know I played baseball. I'm like, bro, you were a Cy Young Award Didn't winner. Didn't you you have him doing A's unplugged? You remember the shows I used to do with him where we yeah. just scrap the whole like phone calls thing. We just play our guitars for an hour. Like I, I imagine, you know, by the time we killed off our audience, it was like <laughs> I'd like to thank you both for still tuning in. <laughs> but it was always fun. My friend, it's good to see you. Countryfastball.com. Yeah, that's it. That's where you can find it. All right, that's going to do it for A's Cast Live. I'm heading up to the Treehouse. We'll have pregame for you coming up. You're going to hear from the general manager, David Forrest, and so much more. And then we get you ready for A's baseball. First pitch is going to be at 7.07. Thank you for tuning in. A's Cast Live will be back on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody. And Alex Jensen and A's All Night is next. The future is bright in Oakland and the East Bay. 15,000 local youth baseball and softball players are participating in the Future A's program, presented by Kaiser Permanente. The club's new initiative provides complimentary jerseys and hats to local youth baseball and softball leagues. 
Teams also receive additional benefits and support, including development clinics, tickets to A's games, and more. Visit athletics.com future for more information. Free parking, free drinks, and maybe even your favorite A's players flying into your lap. The Field Box is a great way to entertain clients or enjoy a game with your family and friends. Located next to each dugout, now is your time to get in on the action right from the field. To learn more about the Field Box and other premium seating options, visit athletics.com premium or call us at 510-638-GO-A's. That's 510-638-4627. 510-638-4627. Want to give back to the community along with some of your favorite A's players and front office staff? Through the A's volunteer team, fans can join us in giving back to Oakland and the East Bay. Through your time and energy, fans can earn rewards based on the number of hours spent volunteering. To get started, visit athletics.com community. That's athletics.com community. Now is the time to secure your own terrace table with seating for two or four people to eat, drink, and cheer the A's right from these amazing new half-moon tables. With awesome in-seat ordering and exclusive discounts, this might be the best seat in the house. So grab your friends, family, or coworkers and come out early for a great day at the ballpark. To learn more about the terrace and some of the other exciting new ballpark locations, visit athletics.com premium today. Don't miss any of the action this year at the ballpark. From giveaways to fireworks, there's always a reason to come out to the yard. On Friday, May 31st, the first place Astros come to town for three games. Game one of the series will have first pitch at 7.07 p.m. The night will feature Greek Heritage Night. Celebrate all things Greek at this annual event as each special ticket will include an exclusive Euroball t-shirt. Game two on Saturday, June 1st will feature Pride Night. All fans in attendance for Pride Night will receive an Oakland A's Pride Night Fanny Pack. First pitch for this game will be at 7.07 p.m. The final game of the Astros series is on Sunday, June 2nd, as the A's and Strohs will kick off the ball game at 1.07 p.m. The afternoon includes Scout Day. This special day is open to all boy and girl scout troops and includes a pregame parade on the field and an exclusive Scout Day patch. For more information about all upcoming events at the ballpark, visit athletics.com slash promotions. That's athletics.com slash promotions. If you're a baseball fan and a parent, you've probably had to explain to your kid that a 2-2 count isn't something a ballerina wears. As a parent or even a sibling, you may have also had to explain that a makeup game doesn't involve lipstick or mascara. But as a parent and an A's fan, we do hope you know about our new A's stomping ground. This awesome space is open and waiting for you. From awesome new games for kids to interactive activities, the A's stomping ground is right for you and your family. So the next time the kids want to know what a sandwich pick is or who got that 2-2 pitch, you will know it's time to go to a ball game and visit the A Stomping Ground, a free area in right field for kids and families. Visit athletics.com slash stomping ground to learn today. That's athletics.com slash stomping ground. It's time to grab your reserved space in the popular Connie Mack Club. The club space gives your group a private area located in Shy Park Tavern for the entire ball game. 
The Connie Mack Club features access to outdoor seating and includes a pre-game buffet filled with our highest-end food package. This area of the ballpark is perfect for 30 to 50 guests to kick back, relax, and enjoy the game. For more information about the Connie Mack Club and other group offers, visit athletics.com slash groups. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.